You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for another Sunday for Island of the Idols recap. Episode 7 is done, and we're going to get straight into this. We've got two Ozlets, not former Ozlets, they've never been fired, they've never left, they're still technically part of our family, even though we're in a different umbrella now, I guess. Julian Groneberg and Cable Brandon talking a lot about this episode. As I said, lots to talk about, lots of things to get into, and a very, very fun chat, which I know you are going to enjoy. So without further ado, here is Julian and Cable talking about Survivor, Island of the Idols. It is that time of the week where we recap all things to do with Survivor. Island of the Idols, episode 7, is in the history books, and it's another one with plenty to talk about, plenty to discuss with, and I'm very excited this week to be able to welcome back two of your favourite Oslets. Let's be honest, they are your two favourite Oslets because all the other ones don't even bother to reply or show up anymore. Uh, from the beautiful city of Melbourne in Australia, it's Mr. Cable, Brandon Sage, Unplugged, Download, Cable Unplugged, now available via relevant platforms. Cable, welcome back Spotify. to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And I could have sworn that Riley and Lancey were the favourite two Oslets. Not me and Julian, but anyway. It's, it's not 2013 anymore, you know. Like it's kind of, we're, we're, we're moved with the times. It's all, it's all happened. Um, and also joining us from the brilliant, beautiful city of Brisbane, it's everybody's favourite dog-owning flight attendant, Oslet. It's Julian Groneberg. Julian, welcome back to the show. Yes, good to be back. It's a smoky little cesspit at the moment. I'm not sure if Melbourne is too cable, but um, yeah. Another, we're at the merge, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, a lot to talk about. And, um, yes, favourite Oslets. I agree with that. Good call. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that all of the other Oslets have just, I don't know, I don't know where they've gone. I think they've just gotten on a boat and gone somewhere. <laughs> I think you need, that's your next podcaster. Where are they now? <laughs> where are they now? Um, featuring <laughs> the Flog of the Week with Jared Elliott. I miss Jared. I, we were talking about this before, Julian. But, I miss um, Noah. Yeah, I actually miss yeah. Noah a bit. Well, I mean, that's you see Noah's gone missing too, considering we haven't done a Lost episode in about three weeks. So Noah's living up to the name of the show that he's involved in on the Oz <laughs> Network. So, um, but yes, plenty to talk about. Um, we, we, yeah, as you said, Julian, we're basically at the merge now. Uh, our first jury member too this week. Like, wow, this is um, a lot happening in this early point. But I guess we kind of are halfway, aren't we? Seven episodes in. So I'll start with you, Julian. Um, just a general feel of this season, this episode. Um, I like the cast a lot. A great episode. I sort of snuck up on me that we're at the merge now and, and like, it was an early jury um, to have... What's his name? <laughs> yeah, Jack. Jack, he's so memorable. Yes. Um, yeah, it was kind of a surprise that they're like, first jury member, because I don't love the fact that they're having really big juries now. Um, I guess we can talk about that. Yeah, liking the season a lot. Don't like the execution of the twist at all i don't mind seeing rob and sandra but there's so many issues there but that is a huge thing to get started with so yeah generally um the cast has been really really good one of the best casts um we've seen for the last five years i would say cable yeah i'm a pretty similar vein to julian i actually really like this cast um, and I, lo- I kind of feel like it's a bit old school as well because it's not all about the hot bodies and, and the bikini babes on the show. I feel like it looks like they cast real people. So um, 
I like that. I love Nora. I mean, <laughs> I, I just love her craziness. It, yeah, I like Jason, and I, I unfortunately lost him. Um, I like Jamal. I like. There's a lot of people on this I like, and I'm not really rooting for anyone in particular. Uh, Chelsea was my winner's. Oh no, she, she wasn't my winner's pick. I had uh, Ronnie. Ronnie was my winner's pick, so I, that was a real fucking loser there. Um, but I like Chelsea as well, so she's gone. So it looks like they've actually picked also a cast that are willing to play. And, um, yeah, I'm just um, – the twist, there's a part of me that likes it because it's Rob and Sandra, but I, I, I think it's so convoluted and ridiculous, but uh, there's some funny moments. I think the best part of it is them being at Tribal in their little – you know, little box um, watching and, and just their sort of reactions to what's happening. I like that. But, I mean, yeah, it's do we did we really need it? No, obviously not. So um, I just want to quickly bring up the thing that starts at the first episode, which is so different, and there's even a Facebook group called Previously on Survivor. Is it weird now not having Jeff sort of tell us what happened last week or yes. what's happened previously and having those flash forwards? I'm like, I know they're trying to try different things. I've been critical of previously on Survivor before only because I think they telegraph what's going to happen in that episode by telling us certain things. And I think I said it maybe on a podcast on good old Survivor Oz days. I remember there was – uh, Mama C had got an idol earlier in the season on Worlds Apart. We didn't hear anything about it. And then as soon as that episode came around, Jeff told us all about it. So you knew she was playing it that night. Um, mm-hmm. That was my criticism of some of those. But do you, what do you guys think about that? I, I find it weird now that we don't have it previously on. I find it very weird. I think it's... it's I, I often like the previously on because, yeah, I agree with you that sometimes it's a little bit too obvious. But at the same time there can be things that you forget about which I feel need to be brought up because I think that the way Survivor is played now with so many advantages, idols, and kind of little mm. subtle things that are happening left, right, and centre, it's yeah. it's something that you really need to be brought up on. And I, I know Kathy joked a couple of weeks ago on the show, like, she barely remembers these people's names. How the fuck she remember meant to remember what's happening in each of the episodes? So, I mean, it's interesting, like, kind of this weird flash sort of thing because didn't was it co wrong they did that you know this season on survivor and they showed like a extended uh what season was that was that someone del sur i'm thinking maybe that was that was a, a season at least in the last 10 seasons oh, I, they did. I know they've done it though but yeah it was only once in the season was it the very first episode or it might have through? actually been someone del sur from memory because i remember like rocker and jeremy be involved in it but I don't know. I, 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 I'm like, I'm indifferent. I, I don't necessarily like it. I miss the previous on Survivor, but I guess at the same time, it's changing it up. There's something a little bit different, maybe kind of on what you're saying, Cable. They're, they're getting, it's like, well, what more can we do with this? It's too obvious, so let's change this up. So, Julian, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't, I would still like it because I do like to sort of be quickly brought up to speed. I don't like it when those previously ons go for too long. Uh, well, at least, at least with the um, little snippets of what's happening this episode, they're so quick and they're so kind of cryptic. At least it doesn't spoil anything. But it's almost like why bother even putting it sort of in yeah. there? Like this week, they showed um, Tommy crying at the well, but like they just sort of showed him crying. So you're like, oh, what's he going to cry about? But it's like, uh, whatever. Like, can't we just see that when we see it? So yeah, I don't know. It was Janet too, I, I wasn't it? She had a bit of a cry. Yeah. And she went to. 
She was scared. I'm scared. Which... Uh, oh, when she went to Island Idols, yeah. One thing I want to say just quickly with the jury before I forget, I believe this is the earliest, besides last season, which we ignore, um, is this the earliest we've ever had, like, only six people have been eliminated before we get a first jury member? I think this is... Just scrolling through the last ten seasons, we've had a few where seven people have been eliminated before the jury starts, but I'm pretty sure that this would be the earliest we've ever had a jury start. No, it is. I'm pretty sure because um, because normally they start it at the merge or sometimes the episode, the first episode, like the first person booted at the merge is still not on the jury. So that's when they normally Which, start it. Sometimes they start it at yeah. the merge. But well, yeah, before the merge, I don't know if they've ever really started the jury before the merge. They, I'm have sure before, they, have they, they definitely have before the merge because there have been seasons where people have um, never met other tribe members uh, that are in the final two and I think the final three. And we'll have that again this time around because I don't think Jack's been on tribes with everyone uh, this time around either. But yeah, I just mm-hmm. I think because like in old days when you had 16 people, the jury started at nine, so seven people would go before you got a jury member. So I guess kind of it's not that much of a stretch. But when you've got a season of, of 20... So with six people gone, fourteen final three. So you got an eleven-person jury. That's that's a large jury. Mm, I too too many. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If, what do you think the implications of having a lot of people when it comes to voting? It sort of seems like there's more opportunities for everyone to get a couple of votes. Um, but at the same time, it's pretty inconsequential. You'd think. Um, like I don't think. I think. Do you think having a bigger jury? gives the potential for, like we saw in Ghost Island, like um, a, a tie at the end. I mean, with 11 votes, you can't tie. Um, but, yeah. I think Survivor, maybe. like, I think, yeah, I definitely. But I think kind of we saw this with the introduction of the final three. We've seen this with the introduction of the fire-making challenge. You know, they always try to go out of their way to kind of make it so that that, that person just before the final tribal council is there so you can have this so-called even tribal council. But I think kind of we've long established that the problem around having close tribals doesn't come down to jury size or how you get those people in the end. To me, it all comes down to sequestering the jury and not having people around and being able to discuss it. They're never going to do that anymore because Ponderosa is obviously a very successful little video series, so they're not going to take that away. And, you know, it's it's going to be something that they're never going to do. But I think when you allow your players to be in jury villa Ponderosa, being able to talk about the game... Everyone, for the most part, goes into a final tribal council pretty much knowing who they're going to vote for. And, and in, since Nicaragua, we've what had, what, I mean, the tie vote in Ghost Island. Outside of that, we I don't think we've had a one vote decide. That's true. A jury since. Mm. Yeah, that's correct. Which I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of the big jury, but I think. Last season, probably, and maybe the season before that, maybe made them like the idea of having more. The my, it's not even conspiracy theory, I guess, but my theory with the bigger jury might be because now they don't get their own individual question. They and and we all also know with the individual questions, a lot of them were cut down or or cut yeah. up a bit more, so we didn't even see the full. Um, sort of picture in that regard. But I think when you've got this panel of a jury where they fire questions off, I mean, when you think about it, if you go back and look at any of those final tribal councils, 
I think maybe game changes. Everyone had a bit to say because they're experienced players. They've played the game. They've got something to say. They're on the season for a reason, apart from Sierra Dol Thomas. Um, but I think I can sort of understand production and Jeff and Matt Van Wagner, all those people. They want to have a jury where you've got some big characters that are going to make big calls or big, you know, ask the hard-hitting questions. Yeah. They can't have a jury of seven or eight that might be three or four of them are quiet and don't really say much. It, and gives, really give it gives them more so to it, work with, yeah. Yeah, and that's what, was, that's what I'm thinking, that it gives them more people potentially. Again, yeah, we've still lost some great people that might have been great jury members, but we've you've got a bigger pool to choose from and then you've got more to edit with you've got more stuff to put in the show to you know maybe throw us off the scent on who's maybe winning 100 percent. you've got more to play with editing wise so that was my theory of maybe why they're going down the path of having a bigger jury so it's a great point uh, yeah i think that that makes complete sense and i think i i honestly think that's probably exactly hit the nail on the head because it is that open forum now isn't it it's kind of you're not going to have a, an 11 person jury with an each individual question because you know that's going to take forever and we already see it enough that a uh, final trial gets shorter and shorter every single season and then the reunion yeah. gets shorter and shorter every season so um i i would say you're absolutely right there cable that's probably why they're doing this and and like and we don't even i was just gonna say ben sorry we don't even see everyone in the new open forum even get a question or even make a comment anyway. So I think it is just to give them the flexibility of depending who's on fire and who's bringing it, um, the more people, the more chance they'll get good good snippets. So, Which, yeah. and, and look, I think Ghost Island was an anom- anomaly, if I can say a big word like that, whereas like it was great to see a tie because that was something that we'd always wondered what would happen. And, and the highlight of that season was that tie. Like Everything else about the season was pretty rubbish except for that vote at the end. So I think kind of that was great to see, but I, I honestly think that that is, that is rare that we will ever get a vote decided that close. I don't think it's possible anymore. Like that was just one blip on the radar because I just think that, yeah, added the open forum, just everybody and everything else because it's just, it is such a rarity now that I feel that because pe- people vote this game now so differently to how they did five years ago, ten years ago. I mean, God, you know, in the old days, people were asking, choose a number between one and ten. What are you going to spend the money on? Like, that's what it all came down to. Nowadays, of course, it's all about this survivor resume and things like this. So people know. People know going into that final tribal who they're voting for, and I, it's very rare that anybody would have their mind changed based on somebody's answers. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I just don't love it because someone like Jack that's on the jury now He's spending more time out of the game than what he was in the game, and like, <clears throat> should he have that much of a say? Like, uh, I guess well, it's he, not, and he it's doesn't know some days. of these people. He doesn't like, yeah, you know, he, he, he would have not played him. with Missy if Missy makes it to the final two. He's, he's not been on a tribe with Missy. How's he yeah. to decide between you know what the viewpoint of Missy Elizabeth? He's never played with Elizabeth. So like, if it's a Missy Elizabeth and uh, Aaron final three, he's he's not played with any of them. So how does he know yeah. what to do? And and you, you hit that on the head there too because that's where I feel like while you might not necessarily get to know someone really well at the merge straight away if you're the first person voted out, but I feel like that's when you have to 
start a jury. So if they really want it, the game, yeah. Well, if they but if they wanted Jack on the jury, or they want that particular number. Then start the moods then, because yeah. I feel like you need to be fair to every person that maybe gets to that final two or final three. That every player, and in fairness, even to Jack, because he does like how can he like say it's Jamal gets to the finals? Well, he's gonna course be beating his chest for Jamal if he's up against people he's never met before. Like, how is that even fair? And I think we know, and I I don't want to totally advertise another podcast, but go and look up Cass McQuillan spoke on a podcast on RHAP. Rob has a podcast. Download now. Rob has a Yeah, yeah. No, but I have to say, look, trust me, listen to it. It's watch how she speaks. Every time she's on a podcast, she speaks so well, but she kind of lifts the veil a bit, is a bit more inside baseball behind it, and she talks about because Rob asked her, you were the last person on the jury in Kogian, you were the first person on the jury in Cambodia, you know, the differences and stuff like that. And she sort of said that, you, and the reason I bring this up because you talked about sequestering, which they used to do in the early seasons, which say, I don't know when they stop, but they definitely have stopped that. And she said, yeah, the per- the first couple of people that get into that jury have so much sway and power in deciding who's sort of going to win the game by the way they promote people and vouch for people or, you know, tear somebody down and put someone up on a pedestal. So um, Jack doesn't look like that person. But, it, again, he's the first one in. How unfair is it if he starts pushing up one or two people that he's been on a tribe with they get to the end and, and the other two people might be just as deserving, but he doesn't know them. So that's where I have a problem with the way the jury starts now before the murders. It, it seems a bit ridiculous to me. But Let's be honest. It could be worse. It could be last season and possibly yeah. next season where pretty much every single person in the game will end up on the jury. So um, yeah. That's, yeah. that could be worse. Look, it, it has to be said, I think the... We'll get to one part of the tribal. I'll save that for later. But the, the end result of the tribal, very unique elimination because I believe Kelly became the first person to play an idol for somebody and then vote for that somebody to basically make it look like she had no clue. Now, I'll give my thoughts on Kelly a little bit later when we talk about certain things, but this was an incredible move. This was this was fun to watch because this is again thirty nine seasons in. It's it's fun to see things like this, which on paper seem like a fairly obvious move. You would think this has been something that's been done in the past, but this is a first. So her playing the idol uh to to save Dean and then basically vote for Dean to make it look like, hey, I didn't give him this idol Genius. Absolutely genius. Cable, I'll start with you. Uh, what was your take on her move? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Because, I mean, look, is it long-term uh, the smartest decision she'll make for her game? Maybe not. But for us as an audience, it was an amazing move. And, and one, like, she had the idol. It was about to expire. She obviously feels like she's got some sort of connection to Dean and wants to have maybe Dean as her secret ride or die or someone in her pocket because this is a problem. I don't see her – she's obviously been in the Vokai sort of group um, majority, but she doesn't seem like she's had – you know, she doesn't look like she's been tight with anyone really else apart from we've seen this sort of developing relationship with Dean. So – um but the fact that she did it, I mean, how good was the editing in when she was having the confession? She goes, hang on, 
I've, I'm having, hang on. And then they even stuck with it for five or six seconds while her brain's computing and then she comes up with this plan. I'm like, that was actually cool that they left that in and, and the music just dropped away. There was a little bit of a drum beat and then it just, um, I like that they did that because I feel like years ago they would never have, not allowed it, but, you know, they would never have shown something like that because it was too long or whatever, but they let it play out. And, um, yeah, I, I was with you, Ben. I, I was surprised she voted for Dean when I saw the votes come out, but I loved it. And um, I, the only problem being now, Dean knows a secret, so that's that's going to be one of her problems, that she's got to hope Dean doesn't throw her under the bus if he needs to make some sort of move. And I'm still wondering what she told Nora or how she pushed Nora to vote for Jack. We show a little bit of a conversation, but I don't know how much she's pushed or coerced or planted the seed. I don't know, but I don't know how much Nora knows, and that's dangerous too. If Nora knows too much, then Nora is a bit of a wild card, and that could be another thing that blows up Kelly's game. But apart from that, I fucking love the move, and, yeah, she's probably one of my favourites this season because of that as well, that she's willing to play. Yeah. Just quickly, yeah, Julian, I liked- uh, can I just quickly just say before I jump in here, Julian, uh, just on the editing, though, I really loved how they really tried to go out on a limb to see that Jamal was going home because you had those yeah. obvious lines where he's like, I'm safe, I'm not going home, like mm. things like that where it's kind of like, well, he's going home. So kind of the way that was then edited for him to play the idol, to play it for Nora, and then kind of like it was Jack, and then it was kind of like, damn, like I thought Jamal was going home as soon as he played that idol for Nora. Sam. So, yeah, sorry, Julie. Play it for Nora? But why do you think he played it for Nora? Um, that's what I want to know. And also, I mean, I think Kelly, I liked the move, but... I honestly think she was just like, shit, this idol's going to expire. Um, may as well, you know, not waste it and just have it expire. But was it a good move? Not really. Um, I don't think Dean's going to be loyal to her. I reckon she's got a bit of a crush on Dean. Like, I, I don't know. I just see that, like, from her. Like, she's real, like, flirty and seems really, like, tuned into everything he says or does. And it just seems like she was a bit blinded. By that, um, <clears throat> maybe she maybe she has inside information from the uh, ex girlfriend. Yeah, she's yeah. like, mm, he's back on the market. <laughs> well, it's it is a great point. I think it's a great point too because we go into the merge with what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven original Vokai and one, two, three, four, five, six original Leros. So by taking out Jack, you kind of having a bit of a risk there, aren't they? Because you, you're making that a 7-6. That could have been an 8-5 had they just gone with Dean on that original Vokai. So, I mean, again, this is an old school. It doesn't always necessarily stick on those tribal lines. But at the same time, that gives you something there to fall back on if you don't want to kind of shift things up. So she has kind of left the original Vokai a little bit more exposed there with only a one-number discrepancy as opposed to a two-number discrepancy going into a merge. And um, it is going to get found out, I think, because Nora was already asking questions like, why didn't Jack play the idol? Um, no, who who played the idol? Yeah. Um, no, she was saying, why didn't he play last time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, I don't know what, like, do you guys know why Jamal played it for Nora? Uh, like, was that just his, because they had a really weird dynamic. It seems like they are really close. Um, but he, she was sort of saying that she hates him sometimes. And in the episode, she's like, I hate his face. Um, I would just assume it came down. 
it came down to an annoyance factor, maybe. She's just one of these ones, because she's been a target basically from day one, hasn't she? So maybe there's just that conversation of, yeah. we're to get rid of her because she's a pain in the butt. I, I don't know. I love Nora. I, I am on the Nora fan train. I think she's fantastic. But I would just maybe think that, and also not just the annoyance factor, she is a bit of a loose cannon. She's a bit all over the shop and a bit dangerous to keep, And I, I guess of, of those... Um, people in her tribe, she is kind of has been on the outer more than you know some other people who have mm. yeah more tight relationships. I, I I know a few people have asked like why would he say well I mean it's another question why he saved Nora but I think people are sort of asking the question why did he play the idol for Nora or why did he think Nora was getting votes? Well, the simple fact is I, look I went back I, I I picked it up the first time but I I've rewatched the episode but. The thing is, Dean was under the impression that Nora was getting votes if he believed what they were telling him. So automatically, Jamal's like, well, if Dean's playing an idol now, that means Nora's in trouble. I can't have Nora go home. So we'll go zero, zero votes and we'll vote again and we'll maybe take out Karishma or someone else that's not as much of a consequence. I think even though they have a funny relationship with Nora, I think, he, again, he's thinking really long-term. Like, he's she's someone you've got to take to the final three. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also just to keep the VOCO numbers in balance, I think he just thought, well, I'll save Nora. I don't really want to burn an idol, but I'll just do it. Might get good faith with her. Might have her in my pocket again. Or I think there was a, a few layers to the play, and I think he he – at the time, sort of guessed right, knowing what Dean, what he thought Dean knew, and obviously that had changed. But, I mean, at the time, earlier in the day, before Kelly came up, if Dean had actually had an idol, the votes would have been going on Nora. So um, he sort of, yeah, he obviously misplayed who he was playing it on, but, you know, with the information he had, he it was actually quite a smart play, but it didn't, didn't work out. It was a full-on tribal because there was so many twists and turns and just like... The fact that I, I 100% thought Jamal was going home and yeah. um, he's getting a really weird mm-hmm. edit because he seems like he's kind of getting this positive edit but also negative aspects sort of thrown into like, um, yeah, we saw him sort of um, bring up the Women's Alliance and that wasn't like they didn't really shut him down but he kind of got corrected on that and then but then he was the one doing the correcting the episode before it's been a really interesting journey with Jamal. I know he's one of my favorite characters just on a side note, but yeah. Can I jump Did, in first quick then? Of course you can cable. Go yeah. ahead. My I, friend. Saw, I saw you about to, I knew you were about to speak. Um, now I was going to say, yeah, I, I agree with Julian too. Jamal's had a really interesting episode because for a long time there, again, he was another one that I sort of, I picked Ronnie as my winner's pick. And I said, the two other people I'm watching in Chelsea and Jamal, and I've loved what Jamal's done so far, and he's been a really positive person in those first 60 episodes. But this was the first time we saw a bit of a, a chink in the armour in that it was, he was painted a lot more negatively. Like, we had the issue with the rice, and it reminded me of Keith and Colby fighting <laughs> in the Australian Outback about the rice. And obviously Nora really getting upset with that, like walking away from camp and going, I really hate his face. I don't like the way he talks down to us and blah, blah, blah. So that was really negative the way he said. And then also the flint. When he was trying to start the fire, he couldn't get the flint yeah. going. 
And Callie was went to just have a go, and like even Jack said, she knows how to make fires. She's actually really good at it. And he kind of took over again, and then she stormed off, and she was, had a confessional. She's upset, and all of a sudden they're painting Jamal as a big villain. All of a sudden, I'm like, what the hell happened? But and you're right, and then you get to Tribal, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more in depth a bit later on. But obviously, he said a few things in that Tribal that you go, oh, what are you, what are you talking about, Jamal? It was just. Just leave it. But, um, yeah, you had a weird, weird episode. And that made me think, I yeah, they totally threw us under the bus. I thought he was definitely going to go which, um, once he played Panora. Which it's props, I think, to the editing because, you know, it is something we've talked a lot about with editing around Survivor, no matter what version we're watching. But I think it is great that we are able to still have a bit of a red herring episode because this wasn't the first week. I mean, we had it last week. We had it um, a couple of weeks ago uh, when Tom went home as well. I think kind of we've had a few good episodes this year, uh, this season, sorry, where, you know, it has been a bit of a, a shock to go into it to see who's going home, which I think is great. I think it's good that we can still have that, um, you know, after all these years because, yeah, it's all well and good to say it's it's an obvious vote, but, you know, it's good to have this. And I, I know in the Survivor Oz days we had, we had done top tens of, like, top ten viewer blindsides and things like that too. So I think, I think it bodes well for that because, yeah, I, I think we've all in agreement that Jamal looked like the guy that was going home based on how it was, it was being seen. And one thing too, I think just tying that into the challenge, that was an incredibly close challenge. And that, to me, it's, it wasn't necessarily also one of these ones where they edit it to make it look close. I actually mm. think that legitimately was close because you had yeah. basically like a piece hanging on the edge there um, before it was going in. So I, I think... It was almost of- like they couldn't just put it in. That they, they had it, <laughs> but they couldn't fit it in time into the slot. And yeah. the other people were in the same boat and they just managed to to wiggle it in just a couple of seconds. And, and Probst was, was having an aneurysm. Probst was doing a Matt Chisholm. Like, he, he legitimately, yeah. I thought, was going to have to change his underwear. He's about to jizz himself. Like, that's that's how excited he was. And that that's the sign. Like, I mean, we haven't really had a season. Not that this season's really been close in the challenges, let's be honest. It has kind of, you know, been sporadic. But, I mean, you know... The one positive South Pacific, I think, had for it was that's probably the closest season we've ever had in terms of two tries for, for challenges in those earlier parts. And this reminded me a lot of kind of those earlier South Pacific challenges where it was it was just one or the other. And, I, I mean, it's I, challenges are, to me, the least important part of Survivor now, has been for a while. Uh, but, like, it's good when you actually have something like this where it's genuinely exciting. Yeah, they can add still a lot to the episode, Um as well, if they're good challenges. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I like, again, that this season we've had just one swap. I like that we stayed on two tribes. Uh, it's been easy to keep up with it all. Um, so there's been, you know, the swap a couple of episodes ago, early merge, but we haven't gone to three tribes. I think oh, uh, thank people fuck have spoken. Yeah, it's a bit, been a bit overdone. Um, plus, it's sort of if your tribe goes to tribal council on a three-tribe, when it's gone to three tribes, you've really got no room. So... A lot of other people go home by just virtue of being swap screwed and other stuff like that. So, yeah, look, um, I yeah, I guess it's been yeah. good. I agree with Ben too. I think we, again, because we know a little bit more um, through interviews and, and what we've learned about the show a bit more behind the scenes, we know that sometimes some challenges are edited to be a lot closer than they actually are. But genuinely, yeah, you can totally tell that challenge was super close. You could tell by the emotion of all the players playing it and, and how excited and how amped up and how stressed out they were about getting the pieces in that you knew it was bloody close. Um, 
But which leads me to the question: Why didn't the new Vokai, who now have a majority, why did they not throw the challenge? And I I know one of the theories is probably okay. They've got a few people like the Aaron and Missy and those ones that are and Elizabeth that are a bit more sporty, and maybe it's throwing challenges really against their nature. But it was almost like they kind of half threw it because they got the puzzle. And they got it wrong the first time, and then that cost them time and gave the opposition tribe time to catch up. But it was actually in their best interest to throw that. Yeah. I, I'm not an advocate for ever throwing a challenge. I, I think it's a terrible idea. So I, 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 think, it may, I think it makes sense sometimes, but I, you know why, Cable? I think they didn't do it is just because I don't know if Aaron's really that that tight with, you know, he was on the outer and Missy seems like she wants to shake stuff up. So I don't think they were like, let's keep our original tribe strong. I don't know if they go into the merge with that mentality. So it's not really, um, maybe they're more like, let's work sort of now with Tommy and and the people that we've got a bit more. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, I don't think it's going to be a um, merge where everyone's like, Oh, let's just try and stay strong to our original tribes. Um, yeah, which I think I think bit. on that point of yeah, no, I I agree, and kind of that's what I was maybe sort of alluding to a little bit when I was saying about the original ones, but it kind of I don't think it really matter. But I think so. We we go into this with as I said the seven six split from the original tribes, which again I don't have the stats on hand, but this could be the first time in a long time we've kind of had a, a very close spread on that original tribe, and again add to the mix that we've had these three tribe divisions and splits and everything thing going left right and center so it is a little bit harder to keep track on that but um i think that also feeds into this cast in that another important point too is i believe this is the first time in quite some time we're going into a merge with no idols this is there's no idols all the idols are out of play now so they're they're gonna have to find these things so that's a unique twist as well and i not necessarily a twist a unique uh way that we're going into this so i think you know, in this overabundance of idols and twists and advantages and everything that we have in modern day Survivor, to be going into a merge with none, like this, this is unique. And I, I don't doubt there's going to be an idol clue or something in the merge feast. We've obviously got Island of the Idols coming to play. It might not be in play next week, given that we'll have the merge happening instead. So I, I don't know. I mean, imagine would this be the first potential merge tribal council, often the most exciting tribal council of all the whole season? where we don't have any mergers and advantages because that would be an incredible thing to think about. I think I think someone came up with a stat. This is actually going to be the first merge without an idol in it since Guatemala. Mm. That's crazy. That, that is crazy. What's that, 28 seasons? So basically since idols came to fruition. Yeah, exactly. There's always been. Damn. Yeah. Wow. See, I mean, but that that excites me because yeah. it's, 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 again... Always think there's too many today, and I'm I'm a huge advocate for let's have a bare bone survivor with no advantages at all because that's a twist in itself. So again, I don't doubt there will be some form of something found in the episode before it, which will kind of ruin this. But like to go into a tribal with none of that, and you've got to basically purely vote on instinct and not rely on something to change it up. Like that may not excite this new school of survivor fans who are used to the style of play. But that, that is an incredible thing to think about, particularly when you've got so many, as always in Emerge, so many elements to it with, with tribe swaps and people, you know, feeling mm. this way. I mean, how does Kelly play it off and this, that and everything else? So that, that can lead to a very exciting tribal. 
Well, based on what we saw on the next week on Survivor segment, it seems like it's going to be a real cluster um, of people just basically floating around. The, the thing I worry about is often the parrot, like in the last few years, we've seen these really big mergers. Everyone, there's so many plans, but then everyone's so confused that they just sort of go on one sort of safe like it turns to be a really safe vote sometimes. So I'm wondering if it won't just be a charisma or something, a little bit of a letdown. Um, but I hope not. But, but, but yeah. What? Like there's you a like of... charisma? No, I'm oh, saying no, please, I, please I, vote charisma out. No, I'm oh, saying Julian. I, oh, no, I wanted to say, I think that would be a bit boring if she just, if she was the vote. Do you know what I mean? Like I would like to see, it seems like we're going to see all these little pairs of people. Um, Cause you know, Missy and Aaron are really tight. And Tommy's really tight with um, uh, Lauren. Lauren. And, and, yeah, there's all these duos. It seems like Dean and Kelly could either work together, but she seems like she's quite tight with um, Janet as well. So I don't know. Like, it, it's going to be good, but I hope it's not just um, – it's a bit hard to follow, I think, if you're playing the game at Merge when there's so many people. So sometimes because it gets so confusing, they just all say, oh, Let's worry about that later and let's just do someone safe for now like Karishma or I don't know. I want to talk a little bit just on the Island of the Idols this week. We saw Janet going there. She didn't do the challenge. Um, I still have to laugh every single week the way they try and play it off that Rob and Sandra are literally living in a shelter and, oh, let's go cook some rice. Like, just, we're not dumb, guys. Like, go back and eat your lobster steak and your, you know, all your five-star meals off there in your little production camp. But uh, Janet, did she make the right move by not? Playing, I'll start with you, Cable. Uh, probably. I, I I feel like her type of game and her personality probably doesn't... The, the advantage... So, again, we don't know the, all the finer points of the advantage. Now, it says you can step away from a trial cancel, but could you give that to somebody else? I don't know. That's in your alliance. It might be a target. I'm not too sure. They didn't explain that, but... I totally got where she came from. I love that she thought it out. She walked the scenario through. Then she made an, an informed sort of decision. So I like that, and it felt like that was part of her character. Yeah, different person goes there. Absolutely, they take a chance and, and want that advantage. Um, maybe a Missy goes there or an Aaron, someone else. Yeah, absolutely, I think they have a crack at you know trying to get that advantage. But for her, yeah, I think it was perfectly fine. She's the first person to go there and not take the challenge. Uh, I liked, I kind of liked Rob's reaction because he sort of, I sort of thought he might sort of pressure or, or barter with her or negotiate to sort of get her to play. But he's kind of like, you know, I like, I like your answer, and I like, I like that you've sort of really thought about it and all that. So I like that they had a kind of a, a backup sort of scenario a little bit that if she's going to not go with it, then they can kind of, you know, I, I guess spin a, a negative into a positive to a point. But um, how was her flushing her boobies on the way back? <laughs> 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 that was, uh, that was the most random thing and unexpected thing I think I've the ever star, seen. Look, I, I'm going to say this now, and it's probably going to piss a few Kelly fans off, but Janet, to me, was the star of this episode. Like, just she... I mean, Kelly, don't get me wrong, star in her own right, but um, I think through Janet's, you know, not taking the advantage to the boob flash to her little speech that she had at Tribal, um, I think that that she she's the MVP for me this week. Loving Janet. Yeah, yeah. No, she... 
I reckon she had a really good um, scene on on Island of the Idols. I just wonder if – sh- it seems like no one's as shocked to see Robin Sander anymore, which leads me to believe that they all actually do know that um, they're out there now, even though the Island of the Idols is still a secret and blah, blah, blah. Um, but that's that's a side note. To me, she didn't see that that shocked to see them, whereas, like, we saw the first two people were just like – Oh my god! It's hang on, hang on, like, Julian, Julian. The first person we do know that they were tapped on the shoulder and got these are Robin Sandra, Robin. the big deals and survive. Oh, of course. Oh, Robin Sandra. <laughs> yeah, and who else didn't really know? I think there was someone else. Nora, wasn't it Nora? Elizabeth and Nora. Yeah, she was the fourth to go after Vince. Yeah, I don't know. So that that aside, I I think um I think it was quite smart of her because she weighed up the fact that yeah, you know what? If I take this advantage, um, it could just hurt me. It wasn't just like, oh, it's too, like, I'd just rather not have an advantage. It's like, well, what is the advantage? It's kind of like I can excuse myself and not vote from a tribal council, but that might just piss people off. They know I've still got it to use another time. Um, oh, no, like, if I use it, then it'll, it will just maybe make me a target. So I like that she sort of weighed that up. Um, and it was a different, it was a surprise, I felt like, because, I just literally did feel like every single episode we were going to um, just get them agreeing to whatever Sandra and Rob said. So, yeah. Can I just quickly say, the only other thing I'm – I don't want to be critical of Janet, but when they come back, they've got all that time on the boat, and even I'm sure Rob and Sandra could potentially coach them and or producers say, you cannot mention Rob and Sandra here or anyone that's already been here, you can discuss it, but do not tell anyone else. So they've got to come up with a lie, which, again, I have inherent problems that if you're not much of a liar to start off with and you're a very honest person and you don't like lying and you're not good at lying, then I feel it's kind of producer interference that you can't mention Rob and Sandra because you've got to come up with something else. So yeah. that's I do have an issue with that. But the other thing was when she came back, her 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 story was still while well, it was pretty simple, I was like, Well, you could have gone a little bit further and said almost everything Rob told you, apart from mentioning Sandra Rob, you could have just said, I was given a game to play called Calculated Risk and I was given a thirty thirty or thirty three percent chance. I had three buckets to pick from or something. I had to pick the correct one and if I did that I would get to be immune from the vote for, you know, a couple of episodes or something like that. And mm. that's pretty honest. Then that's not a lie. Like, that's watching you. You just don't mention Robert Sanders. So then it's like you don't have to cover in your ass or if someone asks you a question, you know, a couple of days later, oh, what did you do? With it? And then you're trying to remember your lie. Like, There's so know. much we're not seeing there when they tell them. Yeah, true. Because it seemed like everyone just said, oh, okay, but you have to imagine that there's more discussion about it than that. And, like, it's this is what I don't like about Island of the Idols. Like, I just feel like it, it's got such potential as an idea to really mentor them and coach them and give them valuable sort of lessons, and not just, like, a twist that kind of puts a target, like, get, get them an advantage that kind of just adds a target to them. And I don't think it really helps them anyway because they expire. They can only use them for the next two tribals or, or, or half the time. It, it Yeah, like makes what? them seem like they're lying, forces them to lie when they're not really wanting to, and yeah. What I think this season is showing is that I think everyone is in ingredients that this season has turned out better than people thought, but it's got nothing to do with the twist. It's the cast. And I think yeah. this is where this could be a transitioning point for the show in that 
you don't need to have a twist like this to try and sell a season. Yeah, the show struggled, I think, a lot during this period of the, the seasons in the 30s where, you know, you've struggled with casting and everything, so you're going to have to go out of your way for these twists. But let's think about if this twist didn't exist. Um, what has this twist brought to this season? Okay, you would argue, well, Kelly got that idol. She played it here. But how's that any different to if she had just found that for a two tribal idol that yeah. was just in camp? Like, this, this whole season really has had nothing brought to it from this twist. Okay, it's funny to see Rob and Sandra having some reactions at Tribal. Great. But, I mean, we can literally just have a YouTube channel of Rob and Sandra, watch Survivor. Here's some reactions for them that we're going to throw in. Like, there's nothing different. So I'm just hoping this is a bit of a transition point to show that when a show is cast well, and we saw this particularly in the first, you know, 20 or so seasons of Survivor, 25 seasons of Survivor, that you don't need to rely on a twist like this. Mm. And I think that Island of the Idols has brought nothing new to what this season. This season will be remembered for its its brilliant casting and let's be honest, probably the best cast of the seasons beginning with the number thirty. Well number three. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I, I just am like it could it's got such potential as an idea though, and it really doesn't the fact that they play a silly little game and it's just they could be really like there are so many survivor lessons you can really I thought they'd workshop, okay, so this is who I'm in alliance with and, and, you know, like this is kind of the situation I'm in right now and Robin Sandra would advise but based on their position in the game rather than just an arbitrary, oh, here's a chance to win an idol based on your level of nerve or, or um, in survival you've got to take a risk. Like they could tie it in so much better than what they do and they try what, and it's, but it's just a bit cheesy. What would have been fun is... Rather than us knowing, here's Rob and Sandra, they're the reward, they're the island every week. Like, have an island filled with, I don't know, like, you're about to film an all-winner season. Have 10 of the winners come early, right? And just randomly have them as, like, the, like, you know, so us as a viewer is also surprised. So here's Janet going, Island of the Idols. Oh, my God, Ethan's coming out. You know what I mean? Like, or Mm. just have something like that because, okay, we all weren't probably a fan of the Cochrane reward with Debbie back in Game Changers, but, I mean, it was still something a little bit unique. Cool, here's Cochrane. Um, but at the end of the day, like, it's it kind of, you know, oh, it's Rob and Sandra, we get what we get, fine. But I, I don't know, like, if you're going to have something like this, just have something like this. Because, I mean, I've never watched Survivor Israel, but I can imagine watching, like, oh, my God, there's Rupert. Like, that would have been cool. <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of, it gets a bit stale sometimes. Like, oh, cool, Rob and Sandra, we like you, but do, all right. Do you, do you think, though, that maybe this was an intentional lead into all winners? It had to be something. To, I think, to me, a lot of it comes down to, because Jeff Prep said pre-season, like, oh, we could never get Rob to come back, so this is the only way we could get Rob to come back. So I reckon they're throwing a shitload of cash at Rob and then going, Absolutely. okay, here's a shitload of cash for you to do this. At the same time, we need you for all winners because we talked mm. in those all winners episodes about there's, you know, maybe your four winners you have to have on that season. Sandra was always going to say yes. Sandra will say yes to any opportunity. So that wasn't a, that wasn't a chance there. But to get Rob, I think that, yes, it had to tie into the next season. Absolutely. It was a sweetener, yeah, definitely. Oh, I think he got a couple of sweeteners, him and Amber. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just he's like, he just probably said, he's probably like, I don't want to do it unless Amber can play too. Like, um, I want to maximise my screen time. Like, he gets paid for two seasons now. 
um, yeah, he's doubled his chances to to win again, having Amber back out there. Do you know what I mean? That's like a sort of a one in twenty chance. It's a it's a yeah one in I guess ten eighteen ten percent math yeah <laughs> maths no ten percent <laughs> yeah ten percent ten but I just doubted. I was like mm. anyway, but but yeah, like so many missed opportunities with the twist, and I guess it's hard on a 40-minute episode to really – you don't want to take too much time. So I have liked the fact that I don't feel like we're spending – you know, like last week I'm pretty sure when – at least when the tribe swap was, we didn't even have Island of the Isle. So I like that, but they don't feel like they have to go there every time. Um, but did you not see the deleted scene where Rob just decided to go on a raft and go into the water for whatever reason because producers told them to? <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. I actually never saw it. <laughs> I can see why it didn't make the episode, let's be honest. Um, just a couple other things. Uh, I mean, speaking of Sandra, I, I think a lot of people have said that we're due for a female winner this season. And I think kind of around yeah. the promotion of this season with Jeff Prost particular talking up the female players, we had that very, um, you know, foreshadowing line from Sandra this episode to Rob, yes, didn't we, yeah. of, I'm, I told I'm you a woman's going to win this season. Yeah. Yeah, you want a double or nothing um, but even that, it's, it's interesting. Maybe I've got to go back and look at all the other episodes and when she's given feedback when the person's left. But this was the first time I really noticed that she kind of almost said, you know, Janet, Janet had winner qualities and it was talking about she's the kind of person that could win this game and stuff like that. Whereas I don't feel like she's said she's liked particular people, but I don't think she's really said that. So I'm not saying she's gonna Janet's going to win, but I, I found it interesting that they put, Kind of like Sandra kind of put a winner's quote on Janet in that regard. Um, or it was the first time, and like you said, it brought up that, no, nah, I think a, a girl's going to win. And which I agree, I think, well, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it's time that a woman won the game. So I feel like there's a lot of strong women out there right at the moment, and I'm sure we'll get to the conversation <laughs> soon enough But um, about women's alliances and stuff like that. But uh yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Ben, because I, I, there was something I wrote down when I watched it the second time that I'm like, hang on, I haven't heard Sandra really talk that highly of someone so far. So I'm like, oh, I wonder why that's there. Who's your winner's pick right now? Give me one. Mm. Both of you. Oh, wow. Um, it'll be a woman, and I think, I reckon my Smokey is Elizabeth. Mm, yep, she's been mine for a long time, so I'm. She's playing really trade. well. Um, yeah, I I can see actually, um, I can see um, Janet winning to be honest. And I know that sounds like you're not a typical kind of type, but I reckon she's she's from the very first episode where she made the fire. She overcome the odds. She's got really really solid relationships. Like everyone just respects the fuck out of her, and. Um, I just think she's rough and tumble. Um, she'll be someone in the end where we like people can get on board with giving a million dollars to. So um, I don't think she seems that threatening either. So I think she can make it to the end. Uh, much like Elizabeth, who's playing really a, a amazing social game. She's friends with everyone, kind of like planting seeds um, to Missy and letting Missy do the work. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, Elizabeth's been Eli- really Elizabeth's good. Elizabeth's edit has that. fallen away a little bit. That's the only detractor to Elizabeth, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like her. her of... Yeah, ahead. I agree with you that in that point too. But I, I feel like her and Missy is sort of. I feel like they're the dynamic duo, but like I feel like Missy's the more aggressive player. 
Yeah. And if you're gonna if you're gonna have that sort of almost like good cop, bad cop, I think, you know, especially if they got to the finals, Missy might if you gave a bit of jury, Missy might cop a bit more heat, whereas Elizabeth might be seen as the the lesser of two evils. Gotta point out um, too with Janet, uh the oldest ever uh female to make the merge. Uh, fantastic! Really? What? Yeah. Wow! She's had just that, oh. had that stat pointed out to me by a couple of people. So uh, congratulations to Janet. That's a huge uh, achievement. I think 50, she does not look fifty nine. She looks great for her age. I just want to point that. I thought yeah. she was only in her forties. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was she's... thinking maybe late forties, early fifties. But yeah, she's basically sixty. Yeah, which which is an incredible feat. And I mean, you know, I think kind she's... of a lot. The, the fact that we've kind of got, I mean, Elaine is obviously not near 60. She's only 41. But the fact that we've kind of got these, I guess, archetype of older female players, you know, older than 40 when I say that. That's not old. I'm just saying they're an older female, older than 40. Kind of we've got both of them here that have made the merge, which is fantastic. And both have made an impact on this season. So I think kind of that's that's really great. Um, I would and say if there was a male winning, it, Tommy's still my pick on the male camp, but yeah, I'm just, yeah. it's such, it's going to be a female winning this season. So There's that, just not that many men really left that could win. And uh, no, exactly. I think Jamal and Aaron have, have interesting edits. I can see them having like potential to win, but they'd have to, their edit would have to pick up. Well, let's, quite let's a bit be honest. Now Dean, Dean and Dan aren't winning this game. There's no, no. way. Oh, can Dean we and talk, Dan can we talk about Handy Dan? <laughs> he's fucked, what, eh? Like, what is oh. with? He's got such an odd edit. Like, I really yeah. don't understand what odd? is happening. He's getting a terrible edit. But yeah. that, like, it's, like, it's just if you're watching that with uh, your family and you've been watching every episode, you look like the biggest sleaze bag. And you know what? Cass brought that up too because she said that edit is actually going to be. She actually feels really bad for him because but, she's played the game and she's like, that's really damaging. She can said, I? I can I just bring this in? To bring this into context, which I think what this is maybe a controversial way to lead into the the tribal and conversation, but I think there's been a lot around this season of kind of keeping it relevant, keeping it in a conversation around certain issues, which I think work and don't work. I talked a little bit a little bit about that with Dan last week, and obviously the the best person in the world to talk about those social issues. But when it comes into things like this, <laughs> it's just you lead into a season advocating for strong women and all this sort of stuff, then you go out of your way to have a person who works in the television industry as a producer and kind of his Harvey kind of thing. <coughs> yeah, exactly. To then lead him and portray him this way. Now, it's tricky because you've got an episode that comes out of it with a strong connection to the Me Too movement to continue to paint a person in this sort of way. And I'm not trying to say that he's not making people uncomfortable out there. They're not going to air things. And they're not a producer's not going to go up to a woman and go, hey, he's making you feel uncomfortable. Say that to the camera to make it so we can edit it this way. I'm not saying that. But it, it is kind of a thing of like... I mean, my point last week about what we saw was that on the grand scheme of things, that has nothing to do with the game. You're just putting this out there for the sake of it. And that clearly had nothing to do with the game because Jack went home. This time around, it's like, is Dan getting voted out? Because at the end of the day, he's creepy and he's going to be doing something? Or is this just a case of, oh, we're going to jump on this older man who's made a couple of women uncomfortable, so that's his storyline. Cool, let's show it. I just don't get it. Hmm. I just think because it's quite a different sort of thing that they don't have every season, um, these dialogues that Survivor's like, well, this is something sort of different we can show. It is kind of convenient that the whole 
thing like survivors trying to be really woke now with their whole um social issues i really love the fact that the show can touch on these kind of broader society issues i don't I guess this is what we're getting to the trouble now, but I do feel like it's got to be careful not to get so, um, like preachy. I agree with the whole women preachy. Don't preach at us though. And that, like that's when, my when problem, show- Julian. Julian, can I, just, yeah, I really want to jump in here, and I don't like yeah. interrupting you because, like, I, I'm going to let you talk. But this is my thing that I brought up last week, and one of the problems. And again, we're getting into this now. A lot of people, I saw a lot of the comments came around this, came to the fact that people were saying. Oh, people complaining that Survivor's Turning Political have obviously never watched this show. It's always been this way. And a person brought up the fact that in the very first season, to remain it relevant to kind of the sad passing of Rudy, which we will talk about, that kind of they said in that very first season, there was that conversation around Rudy. Now, while I don't disagree with that, the difference is, is you are not forcefully editing something into an episode to remain relevant to a conversation that is very relevant and topical today. The Rudy situation came about naturally. You have an older gentleman who has his way set about him and he's working with a gay man who he's probably never had experience with and he drops, you know, very inappropriate comments to this day, you know, like, oh, I I like him but not in a homosexual way. Now, that just... That naturally brought about a conversation in society without having to ever force anything down your throat. And it naturally occurred because at that point in television and and culture, that wasn't necessarily on the radar. When you all of a sudden shoehorn in things that have nothing to do with anything just to remain relevant in the conversation, and you could see Jeff Probst jumping on what happened at Tribal Council to make it a relevant, as you said, Julian, woke thing that's when you are taking a show and making it into something more than it is. Let's go back to the Varna-Zeke situation, something that you cannot avoid, but (laughs) it still occurred naturally, and then the reaction flowed with that naturally. It was not something shoehorned in for the sake of remaining a relevant conversation. That, to me, is what this season has started to do, and that's where I have a problem with it. Go for it. Can I add to that? I think that, that you're right. Like, I think they are talking about women's alliances and and it Survivor does reflect society, but it's the way the show tries to seize on it and make it um, a little bit more of a talking discussion point because, Jeff, you're right, Jeff did kind of like then the whole Tribal Council discussion was around that and it's like, oh, this this will make for a sort of topical episode. And it's kind of like don't don't let the show sort of, yeah, if they're talking about, I, I agree. There's an irrational fear of women's lives, and I and I don't know if you guys agree, maybe not, but I do feel like the the dialogue is a little bit sexist. Like when there's, they don't really ever come to fruition, and there's barely been any of them, and it's the whole fear that women is like. And I liked some of the discussion, but then Jeff kept trying to bring it back and be like, Janet, what do you think? What's your experience like being as a woman? Uh, let's just talk back to the dynamics on the tribe. Like, let's not talk about whole life. Yeah, yeah, it starts getting a bit much sometimes. Cable, I just want to get your thoughts because I have a bit to say on this and I, I want to not take over here. I I think I know what you're going to say with the sexist comment. When when Kelly first said it, I'm like, what the fuck is she talking about? And sometimes I think these words, whether sexist, racist, I think people throw them around a little bit willy-nilly sometimes and misconstrue and and whatever but at first when she said it, i'm like what is she talking about and then then the more i thought about it and when i went back and rewatched it i i kind of sort of kind of i wouldn't say 100 percent agree but i know where she's coming from in that 
it does feel like, and it's hard because we're, all three of us are male, right? I get it. And it, we're not on that side of the – I've never been a female. I don't think you have been, and Julian, I'm pretty sure you're not either. Um, so it's, it's very hard for me to put myself in those, you know, how women have always been treated for a long time and how things have progressed in the last, say, 50 years and all that sort of stuff. I just don't know. I mean, I've seen it, but I, I've never been in those shoes. So I can't – I can only try and wrap my head around it. But I I think it's kind of a sexist comment. And Jamal did say it in such a way that – And he didn't mean it sexist, but yeah. No, but I, th- I think there definitely is a conversation within the game structure that there's this huge fear with women getting together. Like it's yep. the biggest, the worst thing. Now, we've only really seen it happen twice and work well. It was obviously Micronesia and then One World. But really, like this, almost like this real fear of God, oh, if these women get together, we're kind of fucked. Oh, you know, it's a bit like of a standard, thing. yeah. But, but, and it is, but then the ball... It's true. The boys are allowed to bro down. Yeah, yeah, bro. You know, it's like, and it's and the women. You very rarely hear the women say, "Oh, well, what about a men's alliance?" Uh, I don't know. And it, but then having said that, it might actually be happening, but we're just not seeing it in the edit. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I, it's an interesting conversation to have about so just within the survivor construct that I feel like uh, men are definitely treated differently to women, and it's the same thing with. I'm, I'm going way off tangent, but you, you look at the motherly figures when they get to the end, um, you know, they're almost the no-vote, you know, no-vote finalists because oh, people feel um, they were like my they were like my mother out here, but then they betrayed me. Oh, oh, how can I give them my vote? But then if it was a male, then it's more acceptable. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like I'm... Yeah. Look, Cable, I think you hit to yeah, me what, what you just said... I agree with you. That, to me, is the sexist one when it comes down to the fact that the older female motherly figures, they're the ones that are always shut down. That is one that I've always advocated. And I said, look, I think that's purely sexist because older men get treated differently. And I think age in general is treated on a much... When we talked about it before, that kind of, you know, going into this season, you shoehorn these, you know, two players in Janet and... um, uh, What's her name? Why have I gone blank on her name? Elaine. Elaine, thank you. You know, you shoehorn that and you kind of do that deliberately. So that, to me, is a wider issue. The problem I have with Kelly's comment and everything around this, and I'm exactly the same as you, Cable, and Julian. I'm a man. I've not experienced what it is like to be a female in society. That's not something I can comment on, and I'll talk about what Janet said in a minute. To me, the issue is what Kelly said in the game context of Survivor. I I can't disagree any more with what she said and to a, to a further extent to what both of you said because I do not think that there is a sexist iteration when it comes to a fear of an all-female alliance because we have seen a fear of an all-male alliance before. You think about Vanuatu, you think about One World, other seasons have had it too, and we have had this bro-down fear before with certain players getting together and broing it down. To me, the beauty of Survivor, and until this very episode, what works so well about this show is that a fear of an alliance is a fear of an alliance. You are brought together in an alliance, whether you are female, male, black, white, gay, Asian. You're from New York. You're from California. You like the Cincinnati Bengals. You like the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't know. There is any reason to have a fear of an alliance based on a common ground. That, to me, is a wider picture. For Kelly to say that the thought process of an all-female alliance is sexist, to me, is more demeaning 
on females and past alliances than not bringing it up because she's basically implying that in the 38 prior seasons of Survivor, every single female alliance has only been considered that way for a sexist thought process. The greatest alliance in Survivor history is probably the Black Widow Alliance from Micronesia. Then you look at Kim Spradlin and the final five of One World, iconic alliance that kept that in place. Vanuatu was stopped by Chris Doherty, but you had an incredibly great all-female alliance. Amazon, I, you think about that. I feel that, like think- they, they were only female alliances apart from Micronesia because they were sort of all women tribes to start with, so they kind of just stuck to but, their original tribes. But, like that's, whether but that, on that grand scheme of things too, I think that falls into that picture then, that you can then imply that those seasons can be sexist in that belief system because they're sticking together by tribal lines, but they're doing that because they're tribal lines with gender. This, this is where, to me, I have the issue with her saying that. And I think Jamal had a very shocked look on his face when that was brought up. And then when Jamal was trying to explain it, I think Jamal did that very well when he was saying, oh, yeah. like, well, no, this isn't what I'm trying to say. So, look, yeah. that's my and issue she with said, what I will she say, said herself, sorry. I, I, I was just going to simply say what, what was great that came out of that, while I don't necessarily agree with Jeff turning it into this grander scheme debate, like I said before. The Jeff like, Probe show. De- <laughs> yeah, deliberately going to Janet, because, hey, you're an older woman, you've experienced this. I loved Janet's speech, because Janet turned it into a human issue, where she yeah. basically said, look, as a female, yes, I have experienced this, but as humans, we all need to come together and work on this level to be an equal society. And that... That is my firm belief in life, is is this equal footing for every person, and I think yeah. Janet did it. So without ranting and raving as much as I have, I will just end by saying I completely disagree with Kelly in exactly what she said. I think, Cable, you sort of said, like, these words get thrown out so quickly, left, right, and centre, that it's quick to jump down that. I have a differing personal opinion on Kelly now, based purely on that, but... As a game player, that hasn't changed. I just, I just cannot disagree anymore with what Kelly said in that tribal council. Yeah, I, I do feel like she's maybe sexist isn't really the best word to use. But why is like why does the commentary about all women's alliances become such a thing in Survivor? Like it really is overstated, and I think that was a pretty like. <clears throat> pretty good point in the fact that like they barely ever eventuate if they have it's likely because they've been all female tribes to start with or or whatever so they're just sort of sticking to their original tribe so it's not really about gender but 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 yeah like it does seem like the the all female alliance is always brought up by but can i ask julian such a yeah sorry to interrupt again but can i ask what are these examples of all women's alliances that are feared and then disintegrated purely on the basis of their gender? Because again, this happens with any form of alliance. People are fearful of alliances in general. Yeah. So but I don't understand labeled, this point. Always labels, all the women are going to get together. Like, and that's always like, can't let that happen. Like you see it so many seasons and like, again, they never really eventuate. So what are the examples exactly? It's kind of like, it's kind of like you can use that, just try and if you're trying to scare the other guys, I guess all the women are going to 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 get together. Um, but they never. It, it's an interesting discussion because they never really work, and it, it does seem like it's used as a um, 
a thing, a fear tactic, I guess, like a little bit like, oh, these these women alliances got to watch out. They're going to all get together, and and it, it's true, Janice. Like, no, it's just who you end up working with because the the fact with alliances and survivors, like, you're not going to just make one on the basis of gender. It's not going to last. You know what I mean? If you can't trust the people that you're sort of there with, so. But it's, it's yeah. also a thing too to add on to that. Really, that about not making it on gender. Uh, well, second chances, if I'm not mistaken, when Monica attempted to form an all female, like it happens naturally as well. Women do it. Mm. Men do it. They do it yeah. deliberately. It just so this happens. is another thing yeah. which is issue with Kelly's statement by implying that all female alliances are sexist because it's also something that naturally occurs on the back of females deciding to, I want to form an alliance with all mm. of you because we'll let's get together. Well, which is one of the great ironies is that I don't know if Kelly was on the beach when Nora talked about it, but in this episode, Nora talked about an all-female alliance. And Missy and that have been talking about that on the other tribe. And the old Lyro actually had or potentially had the five women sticking together. So it's funny how this season definitely has had that theme running behind it. And maybe that's why we saw it because of this point at Tribal Council. But, uh, yeah, it's it. I don't know. It's... Definitely, I don't know. It's an interesting debate. I mean, it I is. feel like, I feel like, uh, like over thirty nine seasons, I feel like production and the edit have always told us. You know, I feel like there's been more fear of a female alliance compared to a male alliance. And that, like, that's really all talk- I'm saying. It's like, why? Why is this 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 kind of, um, yeah this kind of fear that you sort of kept breaking up. It talks in like hushed tones a little bit differently. And I think that's what, when, I don't like the word sexist because to me that's not truly sexist, but it's it's the double standard I feel like that she's highlighting. And I guess that's whether you agree with it or not, because I mean, maybe there has been instances of men, but it just does feel a little bit different the, the way gender alliances are talked about um, on I the show. That. At the end of the day, yeah, I think um, it is a very interesting topic you both raise. And, yeah, I don't agree with it. You guys have a different opinion of it, and that's fantastic. I know a lot of people out there will have varying different uh, opinions on this issue as well, and that's the beauty of talking about a show like this is that we can have this, and it's a, it's a relevant conversation for us to talk about. And I think, Julian, you kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit too with editing and time changes. Like, you know, today in 2019 you know they're they're never going to air what rudy said you know in 2000 and get away with not having any backlash about it nowadays you know we can sort of look back at the time and think oh you know lol that's funny like look at this old gruff guy and this old naked gay dude he wasn't old but this gay naked dude you know what i mean so it's different Mm. times and who knows what's going to happen this show's going strong in in 10 more years time and who knows what the topic of conversation is going to be then. And, and nowadays, you know, it sounds outlandish, but that's what's going to happen. That's that's what happens. Times change. He's One thing great. I will just say, and it's not really, it's about societal issues and Survivor in general, is I do kind of think that Survivor isn't a level playing field. And it's not just um, everyone has their own disadvantages. Sometimes I think um, a lot of African-Americans have talked about how, being only one of two African-Americans on the whole season makes them stand out. So that's kind of because they're different, that that can be a disadvantage. There's a whole lot of things. So it's kind of like you can't talk about like everyone's going to have their thing that puts them at a disadvantage. And I'm not saying being a woman does or being gay does or it's just the the interesting way that Survivor is such a great show because it does mirror um, some of the politics of life and, and the way humans interact. So, yeah. 
Look, I want to get into some listener questions in a second to sort of get there and we'll rate the episode. But um, one one quick thing, which didn't bring this up with Dan last week, and I just quickly bring it up this week because I think we had a beautiful little silent tribute at the end there to, to the passing of Rudy. Now, slight little complaint here. I don't want to bring this into a negative and complain all the time because that's what I do. But it is disappointing to me that they didn't do this for past contestants who would die. We didn't have this for Ashley. We didn't have this for Dan Kay, you know, Caleb. Like, it would have been nice to kind of have that. But at the same time, I understand Rudy is a, you know, a bit of an icon compared. And I'm not to take away from those players that we have lost. Yeah. But um, we obviously, because we had that, was it during Gabon when Rudy's wife passed? We had a we had a little tribute for her as well. So, oh, that's uh, nice. right, they did. Nice little touching moment there, and and I think, um, you know, it's Rudy was an icon. So, can I just confirm too? Did they both pass away on the same day? But like, obviously separated by years. But someone said during the week that his wife and him both. Pass away on the same day. That's remarkable. Couldn't, couldn't, himself, couldn't but, tell uh, that, but um, yeah. No. But I, th- I think I, I really that don't know. Twitter, okay. yeah. That would have that would have been yeah. But I think like just quick tributes to Rudy. I think I mean we we obviously had the the pleasure in our Survivor Rolls days to, to chat with Rudy, and you know such a such an honour to chat to someone like that. I mean. We're all there at the beginning. We all remember Rudy. He was the favourite. He, he would have won fan favourite if that had existed back then. I mean, the guy was an absolute legend from the beginning. Came back on All Stars and, and gave it his all. And who can not forget that little moment sitting with Rupert? You know, oh, I think you and I should come together in an alliance. Like, Rudy and freaking Rupert together. Like, just what a man. It's just such a sad loss to, to, lose, to lose Rudy. Oh, great innings at 91 too. Yeah, I I think um, I think he was just such a unique kind of character that we don't see anymore, and there was something so pure about him on the show. And I think um, yeah, I think the, I mean, Joe Del Campo was the only guy that was anywhere near his age to play recently since Rudy. I think um, so. The fact that um, yeah, I, just the fact he did so well in the game too um, is a tribute and. Yeah, I mean, he was such a straight talker. I don't know what a what a legend of the of the show and of the game. Out mm. of what, nearly six hundred players now. So what about you? Six, seven hundred players now. What are we? We now lost seven. Have we lost? Unfortunately, now. Yep. Um, Caleb, I think we... Caleb, BB, Dan, Ashley, Jen. And now Rudy, so six. Is, have I missed Not to sound now? morbid, but you know what's crazy to think about? Like in the next five years, there's just probably going to be... Julian, stop, four- stop. Don't. We did this on <laughs> 007 and we killed Roger Moore. I don't want you to kill any more contestants, <laughs> okay, all right? We have a bad habit of doing like, this. It's like a bell curve. I feel like the curve is like slowly exponentially. Oh, within 24 yeah. hours, another Survivor contestant is going to die. This happened on 007. Okay. We said this. We said, oh, what's sad? In the next five years, we're going to lose a Bond actor. And with 24 hours, Roger Moore died, all right? So just, well, just stop it. And Sean, Sean Connery's looking really frail at the moment too, so. Oh, no. Somebody go check on Sonia. I'm scared now. This is something's not um, going to happen here. Yeah, like I, I'm sort of a little bit with you. Like Rudy's such a big and iconic character, and so integral to you know helping the the success, ugh, the success of the show. So I get why he got a little tribute at the end. But you kind of, I think Jen Lyon definitely got one. But Probes definitely had a really good relationship with her. Um, uh, but no one, uh, some of the others that have gone haven't really. Did Dan K get something? Dan didn't. I, feel Ashley, like... I mean, Ashley, I don't think it's been gone long. And like, I mean, yeah. Ashley, I think might have passed between the last two seasons. But like, this is the thing. Like, they'll probably do a tribute for Rudy. And 
but like, yeah, you're right. Like, Dan definitely didn't. Uh, I don't even think some people still know that, sadly, Dan has, has left us. I mean, Caleb yeah, well, has gone Caleb. in such tragic yeah. circumstances. And BB obviously was... I mean, that was a joke that he was already dead, but sadly, you know, but, he, yeah, he died. But, yeah, I know they... When people bring this sort of scenario up, there was... I don't remember what season it was now, but there was the two beaches that you saw on the map were named after BB and Caleb because they went in that same sort of block just before a season. So, but even then, you'd have to quickly like screenshot the map to see the map. So the producers kind of wanted to acknowledge and and sort of honor their memory. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like not everyone sees that stuff, and you have to go onto Reddit to find it. I mean, um, maybe just do a little thing like they did with Rudy, do do that at the end of an episode and, and you know, it's not, acknowledge it takes, the people. It takes all been. of two seconds. Like, and it's just, it is a nice little tribute because this is one thing I think a lot of people don't realise about Jeff Probst is that he is pretty renowned for remembering everyone. Like, you know, he'll bump into someone somewhere and no matter who they are, he generally remembers pretty much anyone who plays a game. And he's always kind of, for the most part, got a fairly good relationship with a lot of these players outside the game and, and is very much an advocate of kind of keeping up to date and things and everything there. So it is, you know, like, Again, Rudy is probably on a different level. Like, it's, it's you know, and if he dies in the next 24 hours, I didn't do it. But, like, if Richard Hatch died, it's going to be a bigger thing than if, you know, Natalie White died. Like, I get it. But at the same time, it's it's still a... This goes back into our conversation about equality. It's a weird thing to kind of tie into it. But, I mean, you know, they still played the game. They were still part of the show. Mm. Y- y- you know, I mean, again, Caleb's circumstances were tragic. Dan's, I think, were tragic. You know, Ashley, so young. I mean, these people. You know, BB was still in the first season. BB was still a Borneo OG player. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of... I'm not... I feel like we're taking away from the passing of Rudy. This is not what we're trying to do because... Rudy I like again, it. Yeah. I just like it when the show sort of pays tribute to its history like it did with anyone um, who's played yeah. before and when it ties it in. But, yeah, it does sort of – I get that point. It kind of feels like, well, everyone who was part of the show should have the same. But I guess, yeah. Look, I – yeah. I, it's we're adding to all these layers of the show this week, but again, the the message here is you know rest in peace, Rudy. Um, you know, yeah, an icon of not only Survivor but of life. I mean, he he served his country with distinction, uh, and yeah, just just a legend of a man. Uh, so yeah, thoughts with his family at this time. Um, just qu- before we get into listener questions, obviously we do rate these episodes. So to refresh our audience's memory, uh, we either buy it if we love it, we rent it if we thought it was okay, we bin it if we thought it was terrible. Uh, Julian, uh, are you buying, renting, or binning this week? Uh, it's a buy. It's a, it's a buy? Episode that, yep. Awesome. Cable? Yeah, I'll buy it as well. Um... Look, as much Rent. as the, the conversation at the tribal did annoy me, uh, the, I've had enough time to sort of calm down <laughs> to what I did the other day. <laughs> and on reflection and talking this with you guys and kind of the move at the end and kind of the other stuff we had, I think it's a low buy. I think it just sneaks into the buy for me. It's, it's not as good as last week. I, I still say on last special, week. special, 20% made... off buy? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. On special, exactly. Boxing Day sale. Um but, yeah, I think kind of there's enough in here to warrant a buy and, and not me just being negative Nancy because I didn't agree with what somebody said in an episode. So, um, so listener questions. Thanks to everyone who sent these in. As always, uh, keep our eye on our social media pages to see who we've got on the show and you can get your questions in. Now, 
We've got a couple not just uh, sent into us, a couple on our socials, which I don't know if you guys would have seen these ones. On, on Twitter, <laughs> our good friend uh, Lad Undercover uh, has said, Nice, nice. Who would they secretly mastermind a blindside against while hiding their plans perfectly? And why is it Ben Waterworth? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'd be in alliance with you, Ben. I wouldn't blindside you okay. straight away. <laughs> I don't believe that, but sure. Um, I'd take you to the end because I know you'd be too controversial. I would get the votes. Actually, so. You would. <laughs> I wouldn't win. Um, and he also adds, also, did anyone remember to get Colin and Noah off Extinction Island? No. <laughs> yeah, I did say that. <laughs> uh, RV, I can never say your name, RV. Ligistromus. Long time since I've heard from you, RV. Good to see you're still alive. Uh, says, where's Noah? Is he transitioning? I'm not touching that one. Uh, he's 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 listened to our Lost episodes on a Monday. He eventually. I was going to say, I think he's been I'm on pretty the sure, Lost. Pretty sure Linda um, laughed at the photo of me that you chose to because she's like, Julian, your face. I was like, mm, what? I don't I don't get why you two are so anti those photos. I think they're decent. Oh, like, like, the I selfie of I, you, Julian. I do Come look on, like you... I'm kind of pouting or something, but. You posted it. Like... That was you. It's not like somebody took that photo of you and put it up without your will. You bloody it's... shared that, mate. Oh, no, like it's somewhere in my. <laughs> social media i guess so and cable yeah, the only yeah. pictures of you are like with your kids and i'm not going to share a picture of your kids with our people and then the other ones kind of i want to find the old m&m photo that you shared many years ago yeah no I, well i'm happy to supply a survivor-esque photo <laughs> please, oh, please look, do. I, I was just like oh <laughs> yeah, don't, anyway. don't get all amanda kimmel on me and tell me what photo i can and can't use now come on um <laughs> Karina these are your options otherwise I'm cutting you off (laughs) Karina uh, asked a question I'm obsessed with your opening intro theme for Australian Survivor Archives download now via iTunes can I download it it makes me smile Uh, Karina that is the intro for the very first Australian Survivor season in Whaler's Way if you actually head to YouTube and type in Australian Survivor season 1 intro you will find it there so uh, it is not readily available but you can find it I wish we had made that up it's a it's a cool theme. Um, Sunny, uh, that was a song, wasn't it? Sunny. Sing it out, I guess this is directed to both of you. Have you met the future great Australian Survivor Archives co-host podcaster in person, Julian and Cable? Um, um, I was talking about that. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. No other great post on that show. No, so, I've never met Matt. I've never met Matt in person. So I met you two a, lumps in person. He's a police officer. I'll have to have a brush with the law and hopefully I'll get to meet him. Just catch, get, get caught speeding uh, yeah. along the along the highway down near Logan. But then, I'll just, like that. but then I'll just play like the Survivor theme song and I'll be like, all right, mate, I'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you two, have you two met in person? Totally not. I feel like... What's going on, yeah, guys? <laughs> I'm, I'm coming out to Brisbane in the next couple of months, so I'll uh, make sure I... Yeah, bear me. Hit him up. Yeah. Go get pissed with Dez. Go on. <laughs> Share a couple of Forexes with him. Do it. I don't think um, we need to ask twice. Um, I, yeah. But, uh, now, yes. I feel a lot of these questions are to do with Australian Survivor Archives. I appreciate the support, guys, but this is the wrong show. Um, let's go here. Fabronia, first member of the jury already. Do you think the jury removal twist will have uh, will be in play at Island of the Idols? Good question. Any thoughts? Hmm. I think Cable's typing his answer. Uh, oh yes, yes, I heard it. 
<laughs> uh, I look. Uh, I, I wouldn't surprise me. I think there could be a, a twist of a juror removal one. Maybe that's why I we started that. so early. I think it's so. savage, but I, I actually loved it in Korong where Michelle just got rid of Neil. He was so salty. It was great. Have we only um, had so it yeah, once in US it, Survivor? It good... Has it only happened the once? Say that yes. again. Australian Survivor, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah Jericho Jer- Jer- got rid of um, Tess. And, uh, Tess, not Annalise, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's only happened once in US Survivor, yeah? Yes. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, um, interesting one. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Selma, this is kind of, we touched on this before. She says, OMG, no one has an idol coming into the merge. This is fantastic, proving why this season is great and why social game and cast make a season, not twists and advantages. I cannot agree more with that, Selma. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just lucky that um, that happened like that. But I, I have to say, if they're going to, if they're going to keep doing so many advantages and twists, I like the fact that some of them have expiry dates. Um, that makes it like you're going to see them get used so they don't just sit on idols, which, I mean, I'd rather if there's going to be idols and twists and advantages out there that they're used. But I think um, it does mean that people can't hold on to them. You get an advantage get in right at the end of the game or, or it's just kind of um, it, it's not as much of an advantage when you have to use it in a – so I think that's actually a bit fairer if if um, it's got a expiry date. What do you guys think? I'm not the biggest fan of it, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, yeah. But I can I can see your point. I definitely think it adds a a new layer to it because I mean we kind of saw that with Kelly, didn't we? She wouldn't have done that this week if it didn't have an expiry date. So yeah, I, it adds an element to it. But yeah, personally, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I I don't want to see just because they expire now. Oh, because they expire, let's have double the amount. And I'm like worried that that where it it could head towards that. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. And what's going to happen with Rob and Sandra? We haven't really talked about that now, the merge, but I feel like that's going to change a little bit, the whole island of idols. and, And will they be on the jury? I don't think so, but... I want to see them just be a reward. Like, you get robbed for the night. Like, I don't know. Like, remember, was it Vanuatu? They they won, like, the, the local to kind of local, like, yeah. chop them down shit. Like, just get Rob, you know? He needs a bit of exercise. Get him climbing a tree and something like that. And, <laughs> Can you know, I just say, some... he looks like he's been given, uh, like, a 10-kilo bag of weed on that. Because <laughs> every, time, every time they go to him, his eyes just look blazed as... Fuck, and it's like, he just looks, like, glassy. And, oh, I don't know, it's his accent too, but... Yeah, I would be Amber? I just, actually, on that topic, though, like, as, as much as it's, you know, poking fun at... I mean, everyone ages, I get that. But, like, go to Rob's social media. Whenever he shares a picture of Amber, she has not aged a day. She is looking incredible. I am I am beyond mm-hmm. excited to see Amber on my mm-hmm. screen in a couple, in a couple yeah. of months. <laughs> I never thought I would say that. Let's oh, go back to 2004 cool. and how pissed off I was to see Amber instead of Elizabeth. I was fuming with rage like amber what the fuck is she doing there now oh, i cannot be more excited to see amber on our screens again Seriously, anyone, amber to win <laughs> yeah to get anyone from the first 15 seasons back now oh. which is pretty much excites me to no end but and danny yeah, boatwright followed danny boatwright very active on social media yeah. recently looking incredible and oh mm-hmm. danny kim and Amber Final Three, I will be the happiest man in Survivor Danny, history. Danny Kim and Amber Porno. Boys. Oh, what a three. What a final three. I don't know what you said there, Julian. I'm guessing it's inappropriate. Let's he's, move on to the next one. He's in porno. 
Oh, God, we were doing so well on topical issues, and then you bring up porn. All right. Um, <laughs> speaking of... Uh, oh, speaking you're of... talking about Boston Rob. Just yes. like what he's built like a five-level five mansion out there. Like, And then he's like, what is that all for? What, his weight? No, he's been building the shelter. Oh. Built this ridiculous big shelter, and you go, well... Because people need to believe that they're living out there. <laughs> like it's just, they're bored. They're sitting around camp counting the money that they've been paid to go out there. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. No, I can't. I, can't I cannot wait. They get interviewed and talk a little bit more about. Well, I was going to say can, that. They, yeah. No, look, look. I'm want- telling you now. We've had Rob on the show once. I don't know about. I don't know enough about Rob talking to him about that. But I'm telling you now, Sandra will tell the truth. Sandra yeah. will flat out tell us what was going on out there. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for that question. Uh, was that the Fabronia one? I think so. Uh, sorry, I forgot your name. Uh, no, Selma. Sorry, Selma. Um, let's see here. Lou, anyone noticed that everyone going to the Island of the Idols has been a female player but Vince? Well, Lou, I'm sure Kelly would call that a sexist thing. So... <laughs> Putting it out there, very effeminate too. So you know, uh, look, I, I well, we notice that yeah. now. Thanks, Lou. Uh, <laughs> not, again, it's not something I look at. I don't look. I look at all the women going. Like it's, I just, I see people. Everyone's a person to me, Lou. Oh, look at you, Ben. You've learned. Um, June says, uh, did anyone? I actually, I did notice this because I saw a lot of this shared on social media. Did anyone else see the giant worm on Jack's head at Tribal Council? No. <laughs> Go back and look. You can't miss it once you once you pointed it out to you. There was a giant worm on his head. So his uh, hair kind of looks like worms. His general <laughs> hair, frizzy hair. But okay, I'll have to have a look out for that. I'll look uh, at it. I think it just popped up on my feed. I'll, I'll share it with you. Go for it. Uh, Sophie says uh, we brought this up. We have a new survivor first, giving someone an idol, voting for them, and pretending you had nothing to do with it. Unless I'm mistaken, this is a survivor first. I believe you are correct there, Sophie. I've seen that a few times shared as well. Uh, we have a couple of games to end up, but just a couple of quick fire ones here. Miranda, when can we expect the Golden Towel Challenge with Julian? Uh, ben, I'm, I'm glad here Miranda doesn't ask Cable. Why is it just directly to Julian? <laughs> Sorry, Cable. Because well, Julian's, pro- Julian's probably still got abs that you can see. <laughs> oh, not with my beer drinking um, abilities. But, yeah, um, I don't think anyone can top Ben's effort, so I don't know. But, I, again, oh. I do need a new photo because um, that one of me on this uh, Oz Network. Apparently Get the rig out, Julian. Get the rig out. Fucked. We all want to see <laughs> but, the rig. Come on. Oh, uh, rig. Uh, let me let me go tan a little bit and um, <laughs> do some Photoshop and we'll get back to you on that one. I, ju- I just want to point out, and this is actually like maybe it is Ben's weekly suck-up. I don't know. I love following you on social media because I love your house. I show it to Mallory all the time, saying, like, how fucking nice is Julian's house? Oh, so, we're so obsessed with it, but thank you. Thank you. We it's love, great. We love house it's, compliments. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to share your social media, but if people want to see how great your house well, is. Well, I, I share my house and my poodles, but not so much my body, but that's quite an <laughs> anomaly because it seems Insta, everyone shares... Um, Mm. Shares little bikini pictures and stuff, but yeah, yeah, my Thank bikini you. one's coming soon. That's my next, uh, you know, a million yours, likes. I'll do that. Is my favourite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kathy asks, "Are you boys attending the Survivor trivia with Rob, Russell, Sandra, and Jay in Australia? Any more details on the event?" Yeah, that's that's a very interesting topic. Do you know yes. much about this, Ben? 
I look. I was pointed out to it, and I, I've been in touch with the people involved because I think it'd be interesting something to to get you know in, in into the show. But a lot of people are kind of a bit skeptical that this is something yes, that's not. I'm legit. one. I'm one of them. I don't believe. Uh, I'm not saying the person's not trying to get this off the ground, but it's they don't have a track record, and the track record they do have. Um, the last event um, they actually had. Um, and this is for full transparency with everyone because as soon as I saw it, I was super excited and everyone was like, oh, no, well, it has to be real because Boston Rob's done a video. I'm like, yeah, but if he's paid enough and he legitimately thinks he's coming to Australia, he's doing a video. It doesn't mean it's not a scam. That's what annoys me, that people just go, well, why would he do a video? I'm like, he can not – he doesn't know it's a scam. He's being scammed as well. Like, but this – the person that – um has come forward. I think his name's Justin Armour from Wowza Entertainment. They went into liquidation um, last year. So me and another survivor actually investigated. I won't name the survivor in case they don't want to be named, but we did a lot of background search because we're like, this doesn't seem right for me personally. I reached out to the same person you did, Ben, um, and a few other things. And for me, there was a lot of red flags and I don't know, that's my job and, I look at things a little bit more in detail. I just don't want – I hope it's real. I hope it comes to fruition, but I don't want Survivor fans to can get you, scammed. Can you guys so, give a bit of background of what this event is and, like, because I saw it, but I didn't really – So, okay, I, I don't know how long Ben wants me to go. We can edit this out later if you want. But first it popped up with a Boston Rob video saying, hey, Survivor fans, it's Boston Rob from the famous show Survivor. I'm coming to Australia. Blah, 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 super quiz show, rah, rah, rah. So then um, there was a link um, to tickets. Um, uh, so Boston Rob, Sandra, Rupert, Russell Hans, yeah. and Jay Starrett were yeah. the people who were going to be sort there. Of poster, yeah. um, the thing that automatically were red flags for me were the locations. Adelaide, um, yeah. Why Adelaide? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Linda. Wow. Hello to uh, hello to Adelaide. Listen, I was thinking like Mount Druitt, not Adelaide. Like, wow. Yeah, I was going to say it was totally. You were so quick. You were so quick there. Oh yeah, Adelaide. No, no one go to Adelaide. Rupert wouldn't go to Adelaide. That's below well, him. You know, it would have been a hundred percent scam if there was one in Snug, but. Um, <laughs> hey. No. Hey, Where do you think Noah's been? He's organising this. No, but the thing, like, I understand if they're trying to do things a bit cheaper and get locations that, um, uh, well, are cheaper, like, you know, you can book that are reasonable so the price of tickets aren't too high. But even the Melbourne locations are very random. Like, they're going to have two sessions in Melbourne, um, one's in Springvale, which is, again, I know there's a lot of people out east, which I actually live at the moment, but Springvale's still a really interesting location. And then the other one's in Melbourne, which is more Collingwood, so that's, you know, a yeah, suburb out of the city. So uh, they, they seem weird. There's one in Geelong. Like you said, there's one in Mount Druid, um, Adelaide. But I just feel like there's, there's still a – and there's one in Bendigo in Victoria. And I'm like, I just don't know if there's – I've got a mate yeah. who's a huge super fan that lives in Bendigo, so that suits him. But – I mean, how many fans, especially even in Victoria, like, why would you have – we're going to have four in Victoria. That seems really random to me. Yeah. And then, um, there, yeah, there's a few red flags. So I rang a couple of these locations to see if they're actually booked. They are booked, but, again, there's the catch is 
there's no deposits that have been paid or they don't have to pay at the moment. So anyone, the new us three can create an Same event, book, yeah. book a place, and you don't have to pay anything. So, I mean, I don't know. There's but there's what, that. What, what quiz? Sorry, sorry to cut in. So What's basically, I think. So I think, I think what I think what the background of what they're trying to sell is that they've got I think it's called like the Great Survivor Quiz Trivia. So essentially, it's a it's a night plan with lots of Survivor trivia with special guests like former contestants, and then the, the grand prize I believe is you can win a trip to Fiji to go behind the scenes on Survivor. So I think that's just the gist. But it did kind of appear out of nowhere. And, and like Cable, I I I will just say just play devil's advocate here. I mean, I know your profession, and obviously I understand you would have these instincts that I do not have. I I can get why people are being sceptical based on past things, but also I think it's important to just kind of, you know, with a lot of these things, you kind of, you're going into these without it being completely promoted and that with, you know, you've got to have a bit of scepticism. But I also think in terms of like the venues, like that all just comes down to the promoters. Promoters ring up venues all the time and see what is available, what they can afford and where they're going to go. If all of a sudden, you know, you've got them going to Bendigo and Mount Druitt, like, on the grand scheme of things, that's not what you're going to see. But at the end of the day, this isn't, you know, you two. You two are only going to play in the big venues. This is yeah. some Survivor people who, you know, Survivor isn't the number one thing in Australia. So I think kind of they're going to get what they can get, and that's where they, that's but, where the tour promoters do that. So I yeah, think but that, that's where I'm coming from too. Like in a perfect world, I love to think that you can sell out all those locations. But again, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, why don't you start off and go one show in Melbourne? One in Sydney, all the capital cities, and then yeah. if they sell out, then you add more. Except it for just Hobart. doesn't. It does, yeah. And doesn't it feels like it's like they've gone too hard early. And if they really think this is going to happen, I think it's on the pretense that they sell every ticket so they can afford to get Rob and Sandra and Russell and and Rupert and that over. Then I because I, I worry yeah. that people now because I I read a little bit of the commentary about this seems like a scam and. If everyone thinks it's a scam, that's quite dangerous too because no one's going to buy tickets if they don't think it's legit. And that's, oh, and that's what I think. That's what I think it's kind of one of these sketchy things, which is it's, again, I'm, I'm not taking away from people like yourself, Cable, and that who are who are questioning this because of track records and things. I, I completely get that. But on the other side of things too, I think that also takes away a little bit from you know, people who see this and get super excited because if this turns out to be like an actual legitimate event that struggles and everything that based on some negative perceptions of people that are just basing it on past things, I mean, again, I get it. I understand that if they've had a bad track record, you're going to go into this with some scepticism. But at the same time, if this turns out to be true... This is a fantastic thing to come to Australia to have Rob and oh, Sandra absolutely. and Rupert absolutely. and, you know, a trip to the... But I mean, I'm, I'm if I right now wasn't in my life situation living in New Zealand and trying to save for a wedding and moving to another country next year, I I would be there in a heartbeat. I, I would be there in a heartbeat. But, um, you know, unfortunately, life can't happen. But, look, at the end of the day, whether it's a legit thing or not, um, it, it's an exciting thing that if it turns out to be true because I don't think... I mean, we haven't really had a high-profile survivor thing like this ever. I think kind of back in the days when they brought Richard Hatch or Ethan out sort of post uh, the their la- wins, Earl. The um, last know. people that came out in their official capacity were Johnny Fairplay and Jerry Manthe. And was that, that a Comic-Con true. or something? Or? And Jane, no, they, Jane Comic-Con. Oh, yeah, but they – well, that was the same era. Like, so they did the Perth and Adelaide, I think, and then Jerry did uh, – Jerry and Johnny Fairplay did Melbourne and maybe Sydney or whatever they – where they alternate the Comic-Cons. But, yeah, they 
I went and saw Jerry and Johnny Fairplay. Yeah, look, absolutely. Like I would say, look, I hope this event goes ahead. Same. I hope it's a thing. And you're right, it's a catch-22 because if too many people think it's a scam or, or don't feel it's legitimate enough, then they don't buy tickets and it doesn't definitely doesn't go ahead. But then you're still like for the top-range tickets, you're paying almost $160. Like no one wants to throw that away. And their last proper event, kind of got canned and the the guests for that were misled and were not paid and then pulled out at the last second and people lost money and people didn't get paid back. So that's not a great track record for me that if this person doesn't have the financial backing or sponsors to at least pay these players to make sure they're definitely coming and then, then with the rest of the ticket sales be able to pay for other bits and pieces, if they're literally relying on us to pay up to be able to pay these players because – I know for a fact, I won't say who it was, but I, one of the players reached out to me. The players players have been, to do those videos, got paid a really small uh, fee, but they have been given a contract. To, they're going to get paid a certain amount, but they have not been paid. So that would be on the pretense that ticket sales work and all the money comes through. It's Otherwise, so they, they won't come. Having so many in Victoria, though, like that sounds a bit weird to me. Bendigo... Like, I didn't realise, I thought Adelaide was a weird choice and then there's, like, Bendigo. Actually, Adelaide's probably a good choice because that's where a lot of um, Aussie Survivor players have been from, uh, mm. local players. So, I don't the, know. The, the other thing I discussed, and, and look, I, I don't know what CBS is going to do, but the last few seasons, I went back and checked, the last few seasons that have started in the new calendar year have actually progressively been getting closer to the start of the year. And what I mean by that is, like, they used to have a rough mid-March start date for the premiere. It was a, they slowly crept forward. So uh, the last season, well, this season, uh, this year, Edge of Extinction started on the 19th of February. February. Yeah. Now, hypothetically speaking, if they stick to that calendar and even stick to the, the 19th and the 20th and the 21st, that means Rob and Sandra will be in Australia doing a tour when their premiere episode happens of War of the Winners, which I think is bullshit. I don't. I, why would they? Why the yeah. fuck want to be in Australia if you're going to be with family watching the premiere episode of season four? It's going to be a big deal. That's what I, I don't think. I don't think they've done the math either because I'm like, who's doing that now? CBS could put it in March. Who knows? But I don't know. I was like, why would Sandra and Rob commit to something where they don't know dates and stuff like that? I. For me, I'm like, I don't know if they've really thought this out because I can imagine them pulling out when they realise the dates clash. Just the only the only issue I would have with that, though, to to reiterate uh, to counter that is th- this talk of a 20 year reunion sort of bash, similar to what they did with 10 year one, would be the only thing I would think would clash because at the end of the day you know, commitments like interviews and things like that, uh, it's not really going to happen next year because with the edge of extinction, they're not going to be doing exit interviews. So I think kind of they're a little bit more free-balling. And I'd also argue that, you know, um, they've done it enough times that they don't really need to have these family get-togethers and things like that. And Rob and Sandra, you know, it's going to be Sandra's fourth time, Rob's fifth time. Fifth time. Jeez, yeah, but no, but no, 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 but no. But you, hey, remember, it's a premiere episode. We don't know what, what happens. They know. But True. it's Rob and Amber and his kids. Like, as if he wouldn't want to be home with his kids watching that premiere. Maybe he'll bring. So, maybe he'll bring the whole family out. Well, maybe. Australia, he brings out, maybe. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's weird. He it's can, interesting. Yeah. 
it's an interesting one. I think I think we'll see how it goes. And as I said, we, we've, we've reached out to the same guy too, and it's maybe a plan to have a chat with him and see what happens. And by all means, if that happens, we can well, put questions to him and everything. And, 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 and not not to throw this person. Look, if they want to reach out and, and have a conversation with me, I'm happy to if they let us be more or they're more transparent they want to tell us more information i'm happy to i want to support it i'd love to buy a ticket if i know it's legit or it's 100% locked in um but also this same person also said as of last monday there was supposed to be a media blitz we're doing radio interviews we're doing these podcasts i'm like what podcast are you doing? I don't understand. You, are you doing one with Ryan? Are you doing one with Ben? Have you spoken to me? Have you reached out to other people? Like, who, who are you doing these podcasts with? Because you're obviously not hitting the right markets. If you're not speaking to Ben Waterworth already and Ryan Brink already and me already or so, just other people or even Rob, like, I don't understand why this has and, – and, like, they have no social media presence. That's the other thing that blows my mind. It's like it's not like they've got much behind them, like – why is one guy from his own profile posting videos? Shouldn't that be the group to give it more legitimacy? But anyway, that's just me. I just think it could be real. It could be legit. I hope it is. Don't get me wrong, listeners. I'm just trying to give you the information that I know. I just think from a supposed business plan that planned this for 18 months, this is the stupidest fucking way to do it. Because <laughs> it is, But it is because you're creating, and I'm not trying to, I don't want to, like feel like I'm adding to it, but you've actually created an event that it does. It looks exciting, but doesn't look real. It's like a figment. Like it's imagine it's a, a mirage. It's an oasis in the distance that we think there, and people want to believe it. But it's like you need yeah. to back it up, man. Like and he, and let's and be it's as, let's I'm, be honest. We want it to succeed. Like we want yeah, it to absolutely. happen. Absolutely, um, and I will. I'll, I will back the guy to the hilt if he can show me more. And you know, really and. I don't know. I just the thing that blows my mind is that he posted. I think the first time he posted was in Ryan's super fan group, and that's where the ball got rolling. Now, but why wouldn't you reach out to Ryan to speak to him and really promote it? Why wouldn't you speak to Ben or people that have been in the Survivor community and have and can re- their voice reaches a lot of eardrums? Like, why wouldn't you do that straight up? I, that, that's what blows my mind. Why, who gives a fuck if you're on Triple J? Apparently, there's like who? How many Survivor fans listen to Triple J? How many, how many people Survivor? listen to Triple J in general? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I, look, anyway, that's enough on my rant. I just think, again, for someone that's supposedly really good at this sort of stuff, and they've apparently been planning for eighteen months, I don't know about that. Maybe eighteen minutes. Maybe. Do you get the feeling sometimes with some of these events that, like, the people behind them don't really have the marketing or the sense to like advertising the right channels and and yeah like they might yeah i don't know because it has changed that they really do want to target people just i mean i've learned a lot just listening to you guys talk about it but yeah well i'll leave on this i'll I'll leave on this point too look obviously the biggest selling point for like us three in this conversation now is obviously the u.s players and the, the players that might come but you know what the other thing is they've got to remember, a lot of the newer fans have come on board since Australian Survivor. Wouldn't you think bringing a Nick Idanza or a, a Des or just someone else, another big personality from the Australians, just to tie that in to get more people on board is the smarter option? They obviously haven't Imagine done that Imagine if they either. could get Luke, yeah, Luke Toki or something oh, well, like that. Exactly. You, you, like, tickets would sell like hotcakes. They'd sell the events out and then we wouldn't even really be talking about an issue because they'd be like, oh, my God, we've sold out all the venues. But... Again, that's just me. I just think, personally, you us three in this room could create a better event 
and put it together with more, you know. And to be honest, I don't know what's included in the ticket, but 100 bucks is that what you said they were? Fuck. And no, so I think the cheapest one's about 33 and that's like just a sitting in the back kind of listening. Okay. And then you get to the point, there's all these different levels, and then $150 is like right up the front, but then you get to meet Sandra and that after the show, I, I believe, and photo opportunities it's, and autographs, whereas right. the cheap standard, tickets standard. you don't get. Standard tickets, like if you go to an event in the US, though, you, you've got a pricing range around then to your reality rallies and hearts of realities and things like that. But um, I think I think the real selling point, though, at the end of the day, hashtag bring back Katie Gold. We know it would sell out in five minutes, and uh, that's that's where it would go there. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks for that question. i got to remember who it was to send it in, but uh, that, <laughs> great conversation. Um, longest, longest question <laughs> response ever. <laughs> But before we get to the gauge as well, uh, Deidre, looking forward to Australian Survivor Archives. It's, it's already started, Deidre. Uh, will Cable, Julian, and Linda be involved in it? Um, yes, yes, and maybe. I, I, I'm not talking to Linda about it, so it, it, it's still going. It's sort of in its early phases. Uh, will there be a reunion episode with the 2002 cast at the end of the Season 1 Archive wrap-up? Uh, we're looking to do that in 2022 as a 20-year anniversary episode. Um, I think that would be more under the line of what we would do. Um, Can we get them for an event in Melbourne? Let me get for one hundred and fifty dollars. I'll, I'll cr- look if we if we could sell them for a dollar fifty cable. I think that would be pretty exciting because people don't give a shit about that season. Remember, so we've got two years to make people give a shit about it to make it one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, all right, games. Sasha and Granny. Let's close it up with them. First of all, Sasha, her kiss slap, kiss slap, hug a runaway game. Let's do this. Okay, um, for both of you, Jack, what are you going to do with him? Kiss, slap, hug, or run away? I'd give him a hug. Yeah, I'd give him a hug too. Tommy, what are we doing with Tommy? I'd give him I'd... a sack whack. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> a sack whack. So a slap. <laughs> Red nuts. <gasps> Did you pretty much just say turkey slap? Jesus. No, like um, no, that's different. I would. Oh, I would. Oh, no, no, I know what you're talking about. Now. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sack sack whack. Whack. Didn't you get those in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we've had this conversation. Before. I'm having days over. All right, Julian. Um, I love having you on I, this show. I would give him a slap when he started to well up. His eyes started to well up when he was having that conversation. I would have slapped him. Said, "Toughen the fuck up." Well, how funny was it when he said the chicken, which was a red chicken, was him, and then Lauren's like, "Yeah, the black chicken's me." Like that was just hilarious. Anyway. Kelly, uh, what would we do with Kelly? <laughs> Kelly. What are you laughing for? <laughs> I just don't, I don't want to touch anything Julian says. I'm scared. <laughs> I am scared to just even hey, remote. Two, I will get the blame for it. I will get the blame for it, so it's fine. I always okay. get the blame for things Morgan's that people say on this season. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, we know God. what happened that one time that Noah said that one thing, and I got the blame for it, all right? So... Uh, Kelly, do we, do we, what are we doing with Kelly? Yeah, I'll give Kelly a kiss because uh, she's grown on me and I, I really love what she's doing. Kiss, slap, what is the other one? Hug, Hug or, or run away? I'd run away from her. Is it is run away an option? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's Janet. She's dangerous. Janet. Damn it, oh, Janet. Hug, hug. Hug, but only if she takes her top off whilst <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I thought having Dan on last week was going to cause controversy. Uh, Elaine, what are we doing with Elaine? Uh, I'd sl- can you slap a high five? 
sure. Well, wrestle. We should rest. You should wrestle. Yeah, that's a good option for a lane. Good call. Yeah. Johnny Fairplay. Johnny Fairplay. That's random. He's not even on this season. <laughs> He's <laughs> on this <laughs> list. Sorry, but slap, slap, slap. Butt slap. Butt slap, yes, yes. Is this how you said? Butt slap? Um. Oh, no, I was like, sorry, but you've got to slap him. But then I oh. like your response better. Butt slap and slap. Okay. I'd okay. um, probably, probably go the hug. Yeah, all right. Uh, Yasmin. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who remembers Yasmin? She was like that crazy one, wasn't she? Wasn't Is that she South like Pacific? Nick Nicaragua yeah. or something? Uh, was it South? Yeah, Yasmin Giles. Um, was it South? No, Samoa. Samoa. Oh, yeah, her and Ben. Um, he called her ghetto <laughs> trash or something. Yeah, that, That's the first that, time yeah. Yasmin's been brought up in a conversation about Survivor in like eight years. Oh, my God. Yeah, I would give her a high five. So, slap. I, I would look at her and go, who are you? And then, oh, Yasmin, give me a hug. I'd probably just run away because I don't know who we're talking about. <laughs> and the final one, Timbertina. Oh, Timbertina, give her a hug. Yep. Yeah, yeah kiss her. No, I'd give her a kiss. Uh, no sack for... No. <laughs> Granny Survivor. I was going to say, Hello, T- Timbertina is one of those ones for a first boot, like one of the unluckiest first boots and someone that I reckon would have been good if they had brought her back a lot earlier. Like She's just unlucky because wasn't she supposed to be on Guatemala and then her son died yep. and then, yeah, yep. no, that was all just so unlucky. And she got exile and then we go on about how great Sari is, but Sari, it was either her or Sari going home that night. Yeah. So and it's kind it's, of unlucky it's amazing to be how... tribes as well because if you go to tribal, there's nowhere to hide, but... Yeah. Bring back four tribes. I miss like four tribes is a cool experiment that I'd like to see. No, I can't afford the buffs. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> CBS wants your money. Uh, Granny Survivor. Hello, Granny. Hello, dears. Another good week of Survivor. I'm so proud of Janet for refusing the offer and loved her speech at Tribal Council. Was shocked. Jack went. I have to say, your Australian Survivor Archives podcast is fantastic. The opening theme music is so cool. I love the theme. Can I just point out? I'm, I'm loving this. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate the support. The Oz Network's pretty good too. Just, just putting it out there. <laughs> just, we're, we're okay. We do our job. Um, she has given us a true or false game, people. Ooh. So let's get into this to close this up. Number one, Survivor Islands of the Idols is the only second time this... Well, hang on. Let me reword this. Is only the second time this we have. Granny... I think your grammar's going out the window. You might be getting the... You need to get a check-up here. I'm not sure your wording's correct here. I'll read this word for word, and you can try and work out what she's saying. Survivor Islands of the Idols is only the second time this we have entered a merge with no idols in play since oh, yeah. the introduction of pre-merge idols in Panama, only preceded by Blood vs. Water, where no idols were found pre-merge. So true or false? It's the second time this has happened. Well, I think, I think, well, going on what I thought I'd heard before about Guatemala, I'd say that's false then. Saying false? What are you saying, Julian? I'll say false as well. You are both incorrect. It is true. <laughs> so okay, Blood we'll vs. Water the- was the other season when no idols were found pre-merge. So that question, was that... That was, was a real that, fucked question, what, though. Like, I was going to say, was that written by Jordan Kalish or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's like so convoluted. Um, okay. Okay. Possibly. Thanks. Janet, number two. Janet is the first female player 
I think I already answered this one for you earlier in this episode. Uh, over the age of 58 to make the merge on a newbie season since Scout. Um, I say that's false because didn't we say that she was the first? Well, I said she was the oldest. I didn't necessarily say she was the first over the age of 58. Oh. Mm, oh a tangled web we weave. False. <laughs> False, okay, well, you, 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 you're both wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's true. Jane Bright was 56 in Nicaragua and Scout was 59 on Vanuatu. So I'm guessing that makes Janet like a born before Scout if they were the same age. I'm guessing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, these are stupid these are, questions. They're, they're like saying this season, but yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> Leave Granny Survivor alone. Uh, she's she's loyal. To go back to her bloody crosswords and her bloody. <laughs> Watching uh, <laughs> Ricky Lake. Matlock. Um, <laughs> Joel Klug played yeah. Randy in the 2005 movie The Scorned. I don't know The Scorned. Why not? It's a movie with Joel in it. Yeah, I know. Um, I know maybe. Rob was involved, Johnny Fairplay. Um, there's a few of them. I'd... I don't know. I don't know if Joel Klug was in it. Joel, Joel Klug played Randy Bailey. No. Yes. 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 Let's say. Um, I don't know. I didn't know that Joel Clue was in movies, but there you go. Um, so let's say yes, he did. True. So you're saying true? Okay. Yeah. Okay, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. He's googling. I can see him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an answer. You got four seconds, Cable. Three. Two. I'm saying that's false. I'm saying that's false. Well, Cable's correct. It was actually oh. Jervis who played Randy. Ah. Uh, okay. There you go. It's a simple game, guys. True or false? Uh, Monica, <laughs> number four, Monica and Brad Culpepper originally were asked to compete on The Amazing Race Season 31, but didn't make the cut. True. Oh, this is a trick question, I think, because I believe didn't they apply for – they applied for The Amazing Race and – Season 31. They, I didn't think Amazing Race had uh, that many seasons, so that must yeah. be a trick question. Yeah, I think it's a true question because I think they had applied for the Amazing Race but didn't get that, but they got offered Survivor. Is that true or false? So, so false. I'll say that's yes. false because there's not 31 seasons of the You're both correct. I think there is 31 seasons, I think. Is it? Just up to 31, oh, I think. Uh, okay. It's false. They didn't. But, oh, God, I would watch the shit out of Amazing Race if Monica and Brad Culpepper on it. Oh, what a season. Uh, final question. Tina Wesson recruited family friends to compete on the second season of The Amazing Race. No, I don't. I wouldn't have a clue. So, oh, so uh, say the question again. Yeah, say it again. Tina, Tina Wesson. Wesson. You, mm. you may remember her from such seasons as Australian Outback, All Stars, and Blood vs. Water. Sadly, not winners at war. Uh, recruited family friends to compete on the second season of The Amazing Race. So oh. she nominated some people that she thought would be good that are family friends. For and they night. ended up being on the show by the same. Um, I'd say that's true. Um, I'd I know if that's a question. That's so random to ask that question that you'd probably say it has to be true then. You're going to go with true? Yeah, You're both correct. It's true. Who they were, I couldn't tell you because Granny Survivor yes. didn't give me that answer. So mm. uh, those iconic, that iconic pairing from that season that I just mentioned. So Cable, you win three to two. Good job. Well done, uh, guys. It's always fun. Pleasure. Thank you very much, uh, Cable. Give us a plug for your podcast because it's unplugged. <laughs> yes, Cable unplugged. 
just go find Cable Unplugged on Facebook and you'll find a link and look me up on Spotify and subscribe. Any any exciting uh, episodes coming up? Um, Screen 2 will be dropping pretty soon. That's the first of the movie ones that we're doing, which is the sequel suck uh, category. So we'll be doing a few of those. Can you please do Terminator Dark Fate? Can you please do Terminator Dark Fate? Please. Uh, I haven't seen it yet because... Can you because do Bridget Jones' story? Be, because, no, no, because of your great <laughs> review, Ben, and other people, I decided not to waste my money on Dark Fate. Yeah, don't. But I just, yeah. I just, I just love, I love Julie and Quick to Can you do Bridget Jones' story? <laughs> 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 I, I would do that episode with you because I love the Bridget Jones' No, I've never, I've never watched them, so... Um, yeah, so I'm looking at, I'm hopefully going to have the Oz Network's very own Colin Hilding for Blade 2. Um, and I've got to lock a few others in, but uh, I believe I was going to have you on for The Last Jedi as well. You will have me on for that. Uh, we better start recording now because it will take about 10 years for us to go through all the crap in that <laughs> yeah. movie. So good yeah. luck with that. Uh, and Julian, plug your house and pool. Um, yes, come see my house um, and stay tuned for that um uh, naked towel. No, I'm joking. No, good to be on, Ben. Um, thanks for Could having me. Could you do a again. naked towel but have the poodle covering like the bits? Ooh, I feel it might look a bit wrong a bit, though. That looks a little yeah. bit harassing to the poodle. Um, it does. A little bit bestiality themed. Put, put the poodle down, <laughs> Julian. Yeah, but uh, yeah, good to chat. Looking forward to talking to you guys again uh, in the future about Survivor. And a big thank you to Julian and Cable, and I joke, of course, in those listener questions about uh, those ones you're sending in about Australian Survivor Archives. I really do appreciate that you are sending in questions and uh, asking a little bit about it. It's been a lot of fun so far. If you don't know what we're talking about, myself and uh, former Australian Survivor contestant Matt Dyson have started a side project where we're basically chronicling the history of Australian Survivor, going back to the very beginning in 2002 and slowly, gradually getting up to where we are today. So, um, yeah, it's uh, been a lot of fun, and we've got some great stuff coming your way with that in the coming weeks. So stay tuned to that, but stay tuned here to the Oz Network. I've teased enough about having this three-time player on the show. It just doesn't materialize. So in the meantime, I'm just going to say it's probably not going to happen. It's 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 disappointing. I, I can't really say any more. It's, it's just it's a scheduling situation. Every single time we try and get them on the show, things fall through, and sadly it doesn't happen. So life gets in the way. Uh, you know, we've all got lives outside of podcasting, and unfortunately... Uh, we can't always uh, make podcasting a priority. So, uh, look, if, if we can get them on the show still, we will try. Otherwise, you can just call me a massive tease and somebody who doesn't, you know, bring through when we say with a guest. But uh, we will hopefully have another former US contestant to join us next week to recap episode eight along the way. A big episode, the merge episode. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned to all our other episodes along the way as well. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on Instagram as well. Remember to hit us up on there. And as always, we appreciate your feedback and support and everything along the way because that's what you all, you're here for. You're here to listen and we're here to provide you a product and we appreciate the listenership as well. Uh, thanks to Julian and Cable again. Thanks to you for listening. My name is Ben. Speak to you next time on the Oz Network. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.